0: Hello, everybody. It's March sixth, two thousand nineteen, otherwise known as New Comic Book Day, and welcome to the Talking Comics podcast. You're listening to episode number three hundred and eighty. I am your host, Steve Say, and joining me this week are Mr. Bob Ryer. Is it Thursday yet? Not yet, oh. Joey. One more sleep, Bob. One
2: more
3: okay. sleep. <laughs> okay.
0: And Jessica.
4: We're gonna have a Captain Marvel probably with Bob. Yay! <laughs> <laughs>
0: All right. (laughs) Quickly, quickly, we'll go around the room. What's everybody's Captain Marvel plan? Bronwyn and I are going to see it 730 Thursday. Bob, what's your your plan?
3: 7 o'clock Thursday, along with Jess, her husband, Dan, Bobby Shortle, and Jeff Schaefer. Whoa! And, And then we are going to, with any luck at all, record a quick review show. Holy
2: crap! What about you, Joey? Uh, 7 p.m., Jersey City, front row, baby! Front
0: <laughs> <laughs> As you can tell, we are all very excited. And we are extra excited, this podcast, because we have a very special guest dropping by later on in the show, Chris Sabella of Crowded and Shanghai Red, and a whole bunch of other things. Uh, we'll be with us. We'll ask him a bunch of questions, chill out, maybe play a game. We'll find out. But for right now, uh, before we get into our lightning rounds and open discussions and whatnot, uh, I wasn't here last week because as Joey had informed everyone, I was actually out in Portland, Oregon to visit the set of Missing Link. And Joey, yes, they are sets. <laughs> when you when you go and you see the stop motion stuff,
2: um, that movie looks so
0: amazing. <laughs> oh, go I can't. Here's the thing: I can't talk about the trip. I can talk about not the trip. Um, part of the cool thing about going on these set visits and whatnot is that you do get, you know, to spend the night in the city. Um, the studios pay for a bunch of stuff, so you basically get to like high roll. For for like a fleeting almost forty eight hours, and then you go back to being whoever you are. <laughs> but um, one of the cool things about Portland, first of all, I really like Portland. Like I, I dig it. It is um, it definitely has a vibe. Like it it definitely definitely has a vibe. I saw probably the most hipsters out of any other place that I visited in a in a very packed space. And it was awesome because there was just all these like crazy looking people walking around. There was a pirate outside of Powell's bookstore that was like had this sheet up behind him with uh, waves and fish painted on it and stuff. And he was like ringing a (laughs) bell and you're like, you're not from around here, are you, boy? And all this (laughs) stuff. It's like, whoa, just trying to go to the bookstore. Um, So he was amazing. Speaking of Powell's, Powell's is basically like the Strand, but hulked out. This place, the map for this place is insane. It's like an Ikea of books. And they have to give you directions. Like you take a right at the children's section, you go down 11 rows, make a left <sighs> over by the cooking books, and eventually you'll wind up in the graphic novels section. So what I didn't know when I went into Powell's was that there. New material is also mixed in with their used material, so it's just a very like meticulously alphabetized, was a very impressed um, thing of books. And so it's it's a bookstore. So I was like, oh, you know, they'll probably have some cool graphic novels or whatever. They had like everything, just everything, like, everything that you can think of. They probably had a version of it somewhere. This place was huge, and so I picked up a bunch of books there. Uh, earlier in the day, I went to Floating World Comics, and that store is really, really neat. Like, if you're at all in that area, the downtown area, and you're in the mood for indie stuff, or like zines, or or whatever, or self-published books, they probably got them. They have more independent books than I think they do, um, like mainstream books or like image books and stuff like that. Um, really really impressed with their with their stock very very cool i bought a couple things from them as well um and the last place that i hit that i'll talk about is i went to the big Legrowski. and so this was a big lebowski themed bar that like they had the sweater on the wall they had the rug pinned to the wall they had some like a guitar signed by the cast of the film um they had a couple of different like beers of their own that were named after uh, Lebowski things. They had a band playing in the other room. Um, it was a super cool spot. And I was like, oh my god, I'm not going to not go to the big uh, Um, So that was cool. And, uh, and I enjoyed myself. My coverage of the Missing Link stuff will be up on uh, Joe Blow. I have no idea when, but soon. Um, the movie comes out April 12th, so... They're gonna have to give me the word some one of these days. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it was um, it was really awesome. It was really nice to be invited back. It was cool to see some of the people that I'd met when I went to go and uh, see the box troll stuff. And yeah, I felt special. You know, like I go on some cool trips and stuff. I don't go all the time, but Leica is always special, and they always make it special, and they always have the best people. Uh, behind their stuff. So very, very, very cool. Um, And I also met another journalist who not only lives an hour and a half from me, but whose wife also works for SGS, which is Bronwyn's company. So that's weird. Yeah.
2: Small Canada.
0: It was really funny. (laughs) Like the order of operations of us figuring it out was really funny. Like one of us was about to get on the elevator. And so we kept holding the door open to like every time we moved up another notch on, like, discovery of, like, wait, wait, what website are you with again? Oh, I'm with Joe Blow. Oh, so you know Paul? Yeah, I know Paul. And then the whole thing, like, oh, well, where are you from? And then it just spiraled out from there. And so we were, like, super best friends for the rest of the trip. <laughs> it was really nice. um Yep, so that was what I was up to, but now I'm back. Much to everybody's dismay, but we have a podcast <laughs> <laughs> to uh, to get to. So I would actually... Bob, you have... I'm going to be very impressed. You have a lot of books on your list today, good sir. Okay,
3: I'm going to do this fast because I'm going to go over. I'm pretty sure otherwise.
0: All right, well, you are welcome to it. Okay. Five minutes on the clock for you, and you can use as much or more of it.
3: Go ahead. Okay, Maneaters number 6 by Chelsea Kane and Kate Niemzek. Look, as quirky as this series has been, this issue just went to some really weird places, what with Mysterious Pencils, Puberty checks, humming corgis, and unicorn girls, all in service to some lovely social satire. I know this won't be to everyone's taste, but if, if you've been intrigued at all by my ramblings on this book, the first trade just came out. It's usually, you know, as with image, it's always very well priced. So give it a shot if you're enjoying what I'm talking about. Moon Girl and Devil Dinosaur number 40, Brandon Montclair and Natasha Bustos, Tamra Bonvion, and Travis Lanham, the Team Supreme where we find out the truth about Nightmare's house guest, the human boy who's named himself Bad Dream, and his plan to bust out of the dream dimension, featuring guest stars Doctor Strange and Sleepwalker. This was, as usual, just a charming piece of work, and just 40 issues in, still a great book. Invaders number 2 by Chip Zdarsky, Carlos Magno, Butch guys with colors by Alex Guimieres, and letters by Travis Lanham. Fabulous building block issue, as Captain America pays a visit to Namor's Undersea Kingdom, trying to persuade him to stop his buildup toward a war with the surface world. Also, moving flashbacks to the World War II era, plus some modern-day intrigue uh, regarding Namor's lost years, this series is not only for the nostalgic crew like me, for who were big on Roy Thomas' run back on in the 70s, but it's a really solid modern-day series, too. I'm really stoked for how great this book has been so far. Speaking of continuity-related stuff, there's Wonder Woman number 65 by G. Willow Wilson, Jesus Mourinho, Andy Owens with colors by Romulo Fajardo Jr. Uh, continues to explore the uh, mystery of the gods and mythological creatures stranded on Earth, as well as what has become of Olympus and Themyscira. A second thread uh, involves Veronica Kale's use of the goddess Nemesis, just their public opinion against superheroes, and it's here we see Ms. Wilson's mastery of Diana's character. Uh, there are two very special moments that I'm not going to spoil. Uh, you, you'll cry, trust me. Sadly, the art is kind of pedestrian with a number of very '90s panels. So, <sighs> the a better I shouldn't say better. Tell us how uh, you really feel, the, Bob. If, if the if the art. We're up to the level of Ms. Wilson's story. These moments would pay off even more. Though it's, again, hard to imagine, as I said, I was bawling at, at, at two. It's still a very, very special issue. Uh, now let's go higher, further, faster and talk about Captain Marvel. First up, Captain Marvel Braver and Mightier with Jody Houser, art by Simone, oh, I'm going to mangle this one, Juan one and, no, it's a day in the life story as the captain is scheduled to do a press event at Carol Danvers Day. But of course, an alien invasion delays things because it's comics, which works out, though, wonderfully for high school reporters, Mia and Camden, who, who get their chance to speak to Carol apart from the crowd, sort of one on one. They've come up with what they think is a perfect question. If you could go back in time. What advice would you give to your younger self? And Carol responds. Well, she nails it. I'll leave it at that, and it's a perfectly Carol answer. Finally, spurred on by R. Joey, uh, I re-re-re-read Kelly Sue DeConnick's Captain Marvel Avengers Assemble crossover entitled The Enemy Within, which concluded Ms. DeConnick's initial run on the series. Featuring elements that stretch from Carol Danvers' first appearances in the 60s through to some that will appear in the upcoming film, uh, what this arc truly shines, though, is how Ms. DeConnick uses this story to bring Carol Danvers to a special brand of noble heroism, one her original chronicles intended but never really delivered on. Featured in this collection are two of my all-time favorite single issues, Captain Marvel 14 and 17, as I want everyone who's going to see this film to read these, now I'll try not to spoil too much, But there's this bit from uh, Kit, Lieutenant Trouble Renner's mother, Marina, uh, that still brings me to tears and is right now. Uh, um, Carol has done some stuff and Marina tells Kit, we tell her that heroes aren't defined by their powers or costumes, by the contents of their heart. We will tell her that we don't know what Carol will be like when she comes back. She might not even remember us. She might not even remember herself. But we will know. We will know the light inside her because she showed us all today. We will know she's Captain Marvel. She's our hero. You're bringing me back.
2: Oof. Whoa. Oh. Do, 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 nailed
0: it. Right on the nose. My hand was covering it for a second. Oh. Uh, yeah, all sorry. right. <laughs> sorry, guys. Pick it up. Pick it up. Um, I will say real super quick that Maneaters number six was probably my favorite issue of the oh, series. Cool. <laughs> it feels like it's really kind of found its thing with its, this was a really good blend of kind of all the wackiness that they're doing with some of the online stuff, the way that some of the panels are structured. Now we have these acts. Um, I don't understand the Way thing yet.
3: what's um, <laughs> the lion's um, lion's yeah, lion's Oh, I know. the jungle. Come on. Come on. That's all it has There's to more be. More credit than that's that. I know what it is. That's all it has to be, though. <laughs> Yeah, Forgies oh, humming it is is epic. <laughs> um,
0: but yeah, I really I really dug the delivery of this issue. I love the conversation with the father and how all this stuff is playing out. That like scantron sheet in the middle with all the yeah. body measurements and everything. Um, yeah, this this book is just is just crazy, and it's really kind of like playing with all the things in the toy box right now. Mm-hmm. And uh, this was a really, really strong uh, first issue for the second arc. I, I dug it a lot, um, and I also, I also loved Invaders. I'm, I'm so into that series right now. Um, super good.
2: Yeah, it still blows my mind that Chip Zdarsky is writing that book. Yeah, right. Um, also, the it's, it's Butch Guice on the art, right? Yeah, yeah. The, the, the chiseled chests of all the men in that book. Like Namor was walking around, no shirt on. Cap is shirtless in one seat. Bucky's got no shirt. Everybody's got no shirt on. Everyone looks so chiseled and square in that it's
0: book. A it's a buffet. Yeah,
2: it is a, it is a lot of beefcake in that book. And it's, it's a, with all that aside, the Invader stories have always been awesome. Um, I also read Captain Marvel Braver and Mightier. Um, I think that Jody Hauser's put together a book that if I wanted someone to, like, quick and dirty get Captain Marvel. I would give them that book. She's put mm-hmm. together a great single issue there that I think uh, is very giveable to people that are going to be interested in the character. Um, I'll talk more about it in my lightning round, but Enemy Within and, and the rest of Volume 7, like, that is... But that's the book that I was like, you like that book? Let me tell you about the rest of this. right? Like, yeah. le, 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 read, read, uh, read Volume 7, because that's just quintessential Carol there. Um, yeah, and if you like... Carol's history, John Burkle's got two awesome pieces on uh, the Talking Comics website yeah. about kind of the Miss Marvel era and the Captain Marvel era for Carol Danvers that if you wanted to brush up a little bit, they're both awesome articles and worth
3: checking
0: out. Right
3: on. There you go. I got to tell you, when I re- reread the trade here, you know, fourteen. when I read issue 14, which I quoted from, I instantly was putting that in my... All time favorite single issues.
2: Right.
3: It, coming back from that, they did two infinity crossover issues that did Carol in Space with the Avengers and some stuff. And then there's 17, which is even better than 14. 17's incredible, too. Uh, yeah. yeah it was is... our. Uh-huh. Yeah. You'll talk about it in a little bit, I'm sure.
0: Ugh. Yeah. Do you want to just do your lightning round now?
4: <laughs>
1: so you can roll you
0: can roll into it we're just gonna roll, we, it. Just
4: roll roll, roll, it. roll it. with it let's roll roll, roll.
0: alright um, I'm gonna put five minutes on the clock for you Joey alright I'm do these real quick alright go
2: alright um, before I get to the Captain Marvel stuff I did want to uh, say that I read the second issue of Jordi Belair Dan Mora and Raul Angulo's uh, Buffy series the new Buffy series out from Boone ah. Comics um, it's it's really awesome there's some really cool narrative tweaks and twerks that, that happen in the new series What's great about it is it is technically a reboot of the Buffy stuff um, with all the characters you know and love. Buffy, Willow, Xander, you know, they're all there. But what's so interesting is like where the characters, who they end up being in the TV series that you loved, we already know that. So they're already there. Like Willow is already, you know – um, uh, into girls uh, you know uh, Joyce has you know a lot of uh, interesting things going on on her side too and Buffy has a lot of the, the quirks that she'll pick up as the series goes on as the TV series went on so it's interesting that Geordie Belair whoa Geordie's kind of brought those character traits into the beginnings of their storyline and it, it adds some new wrinkles to the, the high school drama that, that she's exploring it's a really cool book if you're into Buffy or you want to kind of jump on Buffy 1 and 2 are really great Great issues for this new series. Um also read Wicked and Divine, number forty two. That book is crazy. Uh there are three issues left, y'all. Three issues. You gotta read it. I can't even Woo, okay, woo, okay. Wait,
0: three issues left of the whole series? Yeah, mm-hmm. dude. Yeah. This
2: is it. It's done. It's what? done. Yeah. Yes. What's oh cool about issue number 42 is that all that crazy stuff from, like, Wicked and Divine 1831 and stuff becomes relevant. And you're like, what? oh, no. God, no. oh, my God, I got to go back and read those. Eight. It's
0: coming back around again. <laughs> Ooh,
2: it's <laughs> so good. It's so good. Um, also read X-Men Extremists. Uh, sorry, Age of X-Men, The Extremists, number one, from Leah Williams and uh, George Janti with Roberto Borgi and Jim Chalampidis. Um, <laughs> Freddie, Dukes, Blob, Bobby Drake, Jubilee, Psylocke, Northstar, and a new character named Moneta are the extremists, a team responsible for tracking down offenders of the, quote, intimacy codes in the age of X-Men. I talked about this last week on the show, how the age of X-Men is like the perfect X-Men universe. And what makes the perfect X-Men universe? Everybody's a mutant and nobody has sex, right? Because that's how the X-Men can survive. Um Well, the extremists are there to track down those that violate that code. And uh, they stumble upon a lot more than they were anticipating as they track down two recent offenders. Um, Leah Williams has talked about how, uh, quote-unquote, painful this series is and she doesn't mean like to read but i think like painful in the sense of the drama that's unfolding and she's talked a lot about how these five issues really read as one slowly burning and escalating story and i'm looking forward to following along it's a really great first issue and some great characterization um how much time do i have
0: you have a minute and 52 seconds
2: okay 15 seconds here, I read High Crimes from Chris Sabella, uh, who will be on the show later, and Ibrahim Mustafa with Leslie Atlansky, Sean Aldridge, and Hassan Otsmane Elhau. This was uh, originally published by Dark Horse a few years ago, and Image has um, reprinted the whole series. Um, High Crimes is this crazy, like... uh, spy thriller action crime drama that takes place on Mount Everest. Get it? High crimes. Get it? Ah. Get it? Um, The protagonist is Zan Jensen. She's a former Olympian who's got a past of her own who gets caught up in this intrigue and has to basically sprawl up the mountain to save someone close to her and, uh, you know beat back some bad guys. It's crazy, it is brutal and uh I look forward to talking uh, with Chris about it later in the show. Um <laughs> And finally, yes, I did finish my reread of Captain Marvel Volume 7, Kelly Sue DeConnick's first run on the character, uh, co-written with with some issues co-written by Chris Sabella, art by Dexter Soy, Felipe Andrade, Jerry Sandoval, a whole bunch of people. Um, yeah, you know, Bob already hit some of the highlights. The Enemy Within stuff is crazy. There's some great Monica Rambo issues in there as well uh, with giant robots. And the issue number 17, that last issue with Kit and... Um, you know, Carol having to find herself again. Uh, the whole thing about, you know, it's it's gonna be Captain Marvel Day on Wednesday, and and I gotta teach her how to be Captain Marvel, and Kit's like, No, I'm gonna teach you how to be Captain Marvel. It's You're not as smart as you look. You're not smart <laughs> as you look, and that's how that series ended. That that first volume of Captain Marvel is so Go ahead I'm just kidding. Your thought <laughs> uh, that first volume of Captain Marvel is so bold uh and kind of brazen in everything that 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 it's trying to do. It does time travel, it does World War II stuff there's giant robots. the artwork is is experimental and weird and crazy and um the recent volumes of Captain Marvel, including Kelly Sue's second volume, are a little bit more they've arrived as it were. And I think that, I think we talked about it when her her second volume came out with David Lopez that, you know, having somebody like David Lopez on that book and and it it kind of like formalized it and and brought it into that house Marvel style. And Mm -hmm. and it was cool to kind of see that that book had like arrived in such a way that it was getting that kind of treatment. Whereas volume seven, that first volume to me just feels a little bit more raw. And I like that. I, I think there's something about that first Kelly Sue run that is Mm -hmm. just so dynamic and different and that's the run that put that character on the map and that's the run that started the carol core that's the run that people still reach into for those quotes punching holes in the sky you know we're gonna go higher further faster uh the the stars will be the stars we were meant to be you know like that's it the 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 second the second run starts with that great quote about the girl running so fast she falls and yeah. for a second she's yeah. lying which also makes me cry all the time <laughs> but but there's something about the Carol Danvers in in volume seven that is just that is just bold and I want and I hope to see her on the screen this weekend um, and I'm just excited I, reading this volume again has really reminded me how you know. In 2012, this character punched a hole in comics, you know, and and changed everything about what we thought it was supposed to be in terms of cosplaying, in terms of uh, who was who was quote-unquote allowed to read comics, you know, and you see it in the letters in the back that that, that book, you know, changed everything. And, and what, what issue 17 ends on with the I am Captain Marvel, everybody in the crowd saying yeah. it, you know, yeah. it's, it's just profound. Yeah. And... Read Braver and Braver and Mightier if you want to get somebody into Captain Marvel, and then give them Kelly Sue's first volume because that'll that'll cement them as a comics fan forever. It's it's
3: so good. Amen. I'll tell you when Steve and I were we were waiting to speak to Kelly Sue at that first New York Comic Con when she had just done Captain Marvel, and as the people came up to her, there were all these young readers, all these people, so and they were saying. I'd never read a comic before until I read Captain Marvel. And just enjoy the idea that it changed things." It really did. You you took a character that had been fridged multiple times, turned it into something special and just as Wonder Woman did, you know, 70 years before, it was not only for old fans, it was for new fans, it was for girls and boys and men and women who could see this character who had her flaws. Had her flaws, but because she found a way through them, through grit and and intelligence and uh, courage, and as Kelly Sue points out, some spite. <laughs> I'm doing this because I'm just not going to let you beat me. It was, it was special. It was a special moment, and I think we're all uh, here certainly, but just in general, all of the comics world was changed for the better for that for the by the work by Kelly Sue DeConnick and for Gail Simone before her with what she was doing with Oracle, that we we start to put things together in a different way and the, the comics are better for it. And I'm crying again. Okay. They should attach a, a digital
0: try. download of this podcast with every ticket the <laughs> Captain sold. Yeah.
5: Okay. <laughs>
0: <laughs> what they should do. The Captain Marvel hype is real happening this week yeah. can you remember yo do you remember when it was delayed a year and we were all just broken yes and I now here we are that. that year later <laughs> <and> it's happening <laughs> it's finally happening okay um i think we can fit in one more lightning round before we've got to switch things up a little bit jess sure how do you feel about I'm gonna try to do this five as- minutes on the clock.
4: I'm gonna do this as fast as I can. I'm ready. You,
0: look, you have five minutes to to do it, so you can use <laughs> as much of that or as little of that as you as you please. All right, here we go. One, two, three,
4: four. All right, first book, Sweetie number 1, uh, art and writing by Sean Dillon. This was a totally random pickup off the shelf. I looked at the cover and said, yes, this art style looks pretty cool, but I'm happy to say I made a good choice. Sweetie is an adorable all-age tale of a young girl who teaches herself, with a little help from her dad and a mattress, how to be a superhero. We meet Sweetie when she is just a young girl doing double kick flips off her bed in the hopes to teach herself how to be a superhero. Fast forward seven years, and she is kicking butt and taking names at the mall while saving all the nerds in the local comic shop when some group of super baddies pops in and tries to rob the place the art style is what truly sold me on this book it's got a pretty unique look that reminds me a lot of aaron magruder's work on the boondocks this book was adorable but i do think it moved a little too fast jumping from her being a small girl to her being a crime-finding teenage badass with no real explanation of how she gets there but i was happy to see when i got to the end of the book we got a little mini comic that shows a short scene between her and her dad as he's teaching her uh, as she's teaching herself how to be a superhero. So I do hope they continue with that to explain her origin a little better. Second book, High Level, number one, writer Rob Sheridan, art by Barnaby Baganda, Bagenda. Uh, another new book from Vertigo. I've read a couple uh, in the past few weeks. Rob Sheridan, previously the art director for Nine Inch Nails and a personal graphic design inspiration for me, takes us to a post-apocalyptic dystopian future of epic proportions. We meet our main protagonist, 13, as she is just trying to do her job, sucking sludge from the sewers, hanging out in seedy bars, and just going about her business with her head down. When her adorable robot pal and her are captured by some crazy cyborg creatures looking for a sacrifice, thanks to seeing to what seems to be an ex-lover Akin, they are saved, but not for long. He explains that only he only sought her out because she is the only one he can trust with an important mission. Save a young girl and bring her back home. What's the catch? This girl could be the salvation or the destruction of the world as they know it. The art in this book is beautiful, and the use of color is phenomenal. The first issue is a wild ride and really got me sucked into this crazy universe. I am 100% sure that it will be added to my pull list for next month. Mm. Next book, Hexwives, number five. Last time I was on on the show um this was ben blacker and marika Andalfo. last time i was on the show i talked about one through four and how much i truly enjoyed the beginning to this new series and i have to say number five did not deport- disappoint it was so good so good <laughs> the witches have woken up and they aren't making dinner for no man no more uh oh. we, we, we meet back up with our group of witches when the men aka the architects find out that their leader is coming to visit after the brief mishap, when one of the witches kills the neighbor's cat by accident but the men make a huge mistake and group all the ladies in one place once together they all figure out the power of their blood magic and the powers that they possess inside uh (laughs) including to, but not limited to, talking to cats. Spoiler alert, they've been trying to help them the whole time. Yes, they find out that the cat that was killed actually sacrificed itself so that they would know that they were witches. But I digress. As you could probably guess, all hell starts to break loose, and the lady witches are loving every minute of it. Again, as I said, the art in this book is so stunning. I wound up just going through the pages over and over again just to stare. I have to say this may have just become my must-read, like, every month book. Sorry, not sorry. Uh, yeah. And real quick, I got to reread Delilah Dawson's *Lady Castle*, a four short, a four a four part short <laughs> mini comic comedic miniseries that was released in 2017 about a group of young women who are tasked with taking over their kingdom when all the men go out on a quest and are killed by a dragon. This book follows the trials and tribulations of these, as they, as these women as they go through while finding their place in the newly reformed Lady Castle. You want to know more? Well, unfortunately, you'll have to wait until this or, Friday. Or, <laughs> and <yeah. the> new, <laughs> Or when the new episode of Ladies of Valhalla comes out. Join us as we take a deep dive into this Hysterical mini series.
5: Mm-hmm.
0: So nice. mm-hmm. I've learned I've learned something this evening. <laughs> what is that? I noticed I noticed that you can forge you could forge on with the book that kills the cat. But the minute a dog gets it.
4: No, 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 no. It was not really. It was like a quick like blip of like, you know, like the cat dies. There was no, it was not like seven pages. The cat wasn't hanging on the person's shoulders. There wasn't like seven pages of dead cat. No, it was like the cat (laughs) dies. They move on. Like they don't even really, they show like some scissors and some blood. Like that's it. Like they don't even show really the dog. Maybe they do. Maybe the, but it was enough that I was just like, okay, move on. Yeah, no, oh. it's not like a dog is dead with his head blown off for like seven pages. <laughs> okay. That was
0: really harsh. I did warn you about it before you, did, you read you it, though. I
4: tried. And I tried to read it anyway. I just couldn't get through it. I'm sorry. It
0: is bad. It's I'm really sorry.
4: bad. <laughs> but anyway, so yeah, the the cat the cat's okay. And the cat did it all for, you know, the greater good. So... <laughs> <laughs> Never mind. I'm not going to make a limb joke.
0: Stop
2: it's not it. the kind
4: stop of show I
2: was going to do one, too, but I said no.
4: <laughs> Can't
0: help it in the bloodstream
4: oh my god
0: hex wives you're selling me on this again oh, it's so yes. good
4: and i'm really into it it's it's so i good. need to go and
0: buy the rest yeah. of it i have the first <laughs> issue but i need to pick up four through five
4: that book, got when I, I, there's other stuff that happens and that that i don't want to spoil it obviously but I, I put down the book and i looked at dan i'm like i love this and he's like okay crazy lady <laughs> like you know like, uh, uh, like my eyes are all like bugged out i'm like this is the best
0: yeah i'm into it i'm all about it amazing uh and the ladies of Valhalla episode will be coming out real soon Friday. Yeah. Yeah. awesome uh does anybody have any comments or questions for jess
3: Nope. okay because okay. I've, I've i've already been checked off i need to buy hex wives myself i read. Really <laughs> have i have read lady castle back in the day and so i i can't wait to hear your new show and hear what you're gonna say about that
4: that's a lot of fun it's just and a lot yeah. of it's a good it's good fun
3: that's a good show
0: alright so um, y'all are going to have to wait for my lightning round because we have a guest about to knock on our door so when we come back we will be hanging out with Chris Sabella so uh, we'll check you in just a minute and welcome back to the Talking Comics Podcast. We have a very special guest with us this episode. Eisner-nominated writer of Crowded, High Crimes, Shanghai Red, House of Muck, Cold War. Welcome back. I lived in a clown motel and more, Chris Sibella. Hey, Chris. Hey,
1: thanks for having me.
0: You're very welcome. Thank you for joining us. So here's the deal. Uh, before we get to our traditional what's your comic book origin story question, I have one of my own. You lived right. in a clown motel. Uh huh. I just found this out last night. This would be a terrible interview if I didn't at least ask you about that. Can you tell us a little bit about that?
1: Yeah, sure. Uh, so yeah, I got these. I just uh, I had gone to visit this place called the Clown Motel in Central Tonopah, Nevada, um, with a friend of mine, and then I kind of wanted to go back. Um, like, and I wanted to do it as sort of a writing retreat and like do it for serious, like do it for a month. And then I thought, uh, well, I wanted to do the writing retreat. I wanted to go back. So then I merged the two ideas, um, and started a Kickstarter cause I didn't want to pay for it. <laughs> um, and then I ended up raising like twice as much as I was asking for. And I thought I was asking for about a thousand bucks too much. Um, and, uh, yeah, then in knocked, uh late september and most of october 2015 uh i lived in uh, a motel room at the clown motel um and then i wrote uh, a couple things about it okay so clown motel for somebody like me sounds like it's terrifying is it clowns in the room y- yeah i mean every room has uh clown portraits in it um the worst clown stuff is in the lobby uh, lobby. Uh, It's, it's in the little room where you check in. Um, it's filled with clown statues. There's a giant life-sized clown statue. Um, that you probably wouldn't do well with the paintings are like, they're not great, but, um, (laughs) they're not the worst thing I've seen in a motel room. So do they follow you with your eye, with their eyes? Not in the room I was staying in. My friend Carla came and stayed for a night. And the one she had one in her room that was like three clowns in one painting. Um, and those definitely kind of followed you around the room. So I think it just was a crapshoot depending on what room you got. Oh,
0: no. <laughs> and how were you with clowns before you went into this?
1: Uh, I was fine. Like uh, I was indifferent to clowns. And then when I came out, I just like, I found. I remembered that I don't really like clowns. Like <laughs> not that I'm not that I'm scared of them. I just think they're kind of annoying um yeah. and obnoxious. So so yeah, I yeah. I was just channeling everyone else's fear. I didn't have any uh, as far as that
0: all went. My mom used to ask me why I was afraid of clowns, and I think I was maybe like six years old. And I said to her, I was like, nothing is supposed to be that happy all the time. <laughs>
1: She was a little oh, taken okay. aback by that. <laughs> that's, uh, yeah, that's quite, a, that's quite an answer. Um, right?
5: Yeah.
1: All right. So, all
0: right. Well, I am, uh, my curiosity is uh, satisfied. So, Chris, can you give us a little bit of your comic book origin story? How did you actually break into comics?
1: Um, I moved from Kansas City, Missouri to Portland, Oregon in uh, basically on New Year's Day. 2010 um and yeah that was kind of my i lit i moved to portland because i was like i know there are two comic book publishers here um and i don't know what else i can do in kansas city i certainly couldn't stay being a graphic designer for much longer i just wasn't very good at it but but i knew that i was or i assumed that i was good at writing so i was like well um you know, I, I'm kind of getting to the point where I need to like figure out what I'm doing with the rest of my life. Um, so I thought I would try this, uh, cause I thought I'd regret it if I never like fully went for it. So, mm-hmm. so yeah, I moved here, um, and started like, just started figuring out how to pitch books. And, uh, um, like I sold like two books within a year. Um, oh, wow. So, yeah, and then from there, it was, like, a lot of ups and downs, uh, mostly downs. But then, uh, uh, like, 2013, I, when, when Ibrahim Mustafa and I put out High Crimes for the first time, um, that really kind of opened the door. Uh, and, yeah, like, uh, now I'm doing it full time. Like, this is how I make my living, is writing stuff. So
3: Right on, man. Yeah, now, Chris, I first saw your credit on Captain Marvel number 7. Yeah. And, and Kelly Sue has told us that she was really sure that this series wouldn't go past six issues and was sort of taken aback when it kept going. So what was the process behind you joining the team for that whole Monica Rambeau arc? Um, it was, uh,
1: yeah, just uh, Kel... Came up to me and said, "Do you want to co-write some Captain Marvel with me?" Uh, (laughs) And and like at that point, I had nothing. Like I had put out one book uh, that nobody cared about, and I was desperately trying to get stuff moving. And I was like, "Yes, thank you, of course." Like it was, it was so much of a pity hire. Um, (laughs) But I was at that point, I was fine with that. I was like, "I'll I'll take a pity hire." Um, So so yeah, she basically explained you know what the storyline was going to be and then i sort of ran off and tried to uh uh figure stuff out to help contribute as best i could without getting in the way so um yeah i sort of went off to be research monkey and figure out like what's some cool stuff we can do and then i would like pipe up with like well i have this one idea um but basically, I was just hired to write the panel descriptions because um, uh, Kel focuses on dialogue uh, like heavily. So she just she figured like this would be easier uh, if if I just you know do the panel layouts. But I can't do that, so I would write a full script and then give it to her, and then she would like toss out most of my dialogue and then put her own in there. What? And then they, everything would get fixed around, you know, but like, so, so yeah, I was just really there as a support staff. Cause, uh, cause I think, uh, Kelly Sue was doing, uh, she had just taken on doing that science bros arc of like Assembled, that Avengers yeah. book. Yeah. Assembled, yeah. Assembled, um, right. Right. So suddenly like, yeah, her, her workload had just like doubled or tripled and she needed somebody to, assist and uh like we've been friends forever so i think she was like well i can i could trust him uh and i'm happy to say i didn't screw it up
3: so Mm -hmm. no absolutely not we were just talking about how wonderful that that whole first series was and those issues particularly so yeah you you definitely did not screw that up chris Uh, (laughs) um actually i'm gonna throw something else in too to see if you don't mind uh i also in that same time period i really enjoyed your run on ghost Oh, thanks. Uh, yeah. I mean, I was a. I'm a really big fan of what Eric Lou was doing, and I thought you really captured that sort of wistfulness that that set that book apart from so much of the dark '90s superheroines, And you really made that that happen. You, you felt really sad for for from his Cameron and so on. Is there? How did that one come about? And is there another sort of forgotten heroine you might want to take a run at bringing back?
1: Um. So that that was uh again like uh so i initially came on board to help kelly sue co-write it uh because she was just slammed um so so yeah like i was i was you know we sort of co-plotted the first arc and then and then she had to step away and then dark horse was like well do you want to just write it yourself and i was (laughs) like uh okay (laughs) um <clears throat> Which was super intimidating because I, had, you know, like, um, I knew, you know, I knew that like Ghost had this legacy and I didn't want to screw it up, but I also like knew that like I was, I wanted to do something that was my own. So, um, so yeah, I just kind of like, I wanted to do, I wanted to see like the process of somebody deciding to become a superhero. Like I always felt like, that process always happens so fast in fiction because it has to like, that's just, uh, you know, uh, compression in storytelling. But I, I was like, I want to have somebody like, you know, I want to see the, the the decision-making process and the life process that like brings somebody to finally be like, you know what, this uh, is a really crazy idea, but I'm going to go out and do this. Um, so yeah, that was like, uh, and i'm i'm happy like i got to tell like what i felt like was a complete story and that you know beyond that she just sort of goes off and becomes ghost um i mean as far as other uh characters uh I, i've always been fond of like dakota north um, i love dakota oh north oh my god yes you hit so. the right audience yeah <laughs> Um, so yeah, I got to write a little bit of her the second time I co-wrote on Captain Marvel. Um, she showed up briefly to, Mm -hmm. uh, so that was like, okay, cool. I got to at least like touch greatness. Um, (laughs) but yeah, I don't know. Mostly I'm, I'm just kind of like, uh, these days I'm really invested in sort of creating my own
3: great idea, uh, hopefully great characters and there you go. You let somebody else write yours someday down the road.
1: Yeah, yeah. <laughs>
0: yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, Joey, did you want to hit on anything from High Crimes before yeah, we move I on just, to Crowded?
2: Yeah, before we move on to the new stuff, I I've spent the last week um, reading High Crimes because Image re-released it recently, I think. Um, yeah, which is awesome, super cool to see that. Um, yeah, talking about like kind of interesting new care uh, new characters, quote unquote. Um, Zan Jensen, I think, is such a dynamic complicated young woman at the core of that book. Um, where did that crazy book about crazy spy intrigue on the top of Mount Everest come from? Uh, that seemed like a lot going on in there and I was super into it. It's, a, it's an awesome, awesome kind of spy action thriller up there. But I uh, just, where did that story come from
1: and what was it like working with Ibrahim on that? Um, that came from, I, I developed this weird fascination with Everest several uh, well, a long while ago now, um, where once a year I would just I'd want to dive back into Everest and I would like I'd reread John Hours Into Thin Air. Oh. And then oh. and then I would read like other Everest books and I'd track down like Everest reality TV shows. And like it was just this compulsion I had, I think, because I was mostly fascinated by the people who who choose to do that, who choose to climb Everest. Like they're like, this is my goal. And I'm like, I will touch the face of death if I have to, to, to get these like bragging rights that, you know, I sat at the highest point on earth. Um, so yeah, I just like, and then at some point naturally my brain was like, well, what if like, what if there was a gunfight in the Kumbu icefall? Um, (laughs) And then I had to figure out how to make that happen. So, like, it was a years, years years-long process before uh, I figured out the actual story and everything around it. But, uh, yeah, I don't know. That was, like, uh, you know, Ibrahim and I just kind of made that book on our own. We were doing it through Monkey Brain, which was a digital-only imprint on comiXology. So. So we didn't have print deadlines. We didn't have anybody, any deadlines, really. They were all entirely self-imposed. So we could, um, you know, uh, we had to take a lot of breaks. But also, like, we didn't have to rush anything. um, And we could kind of just do the book we wanted to do. And nobody could say, like, hey, you're doing comics wrong. Mm -hmm. Um, So it was kind of, like, that's why I count that, really, as, like, my first book. Because that was, like, the first time I... You know, uh, I was given like that kind of freedom uh, to tell the exact story I wanted to tell with like zero compromises. Yeah,
2: are there elements of that book, High Crimes, that you feel like still trickles into your work today? Kind of like carries through into the ideas and themes or characters that you're you're writing now?
1: Yeah, uh, I mean, I I tend to write about damaged or broken people um, to some degree. Like Xan is certainly a worst case scenario, yeah. but um, but I, I find those kind of characters interesting. Um, and I think like, I think because so much of High Crimes is driven by the character of Xan and also, you know, to a lesser extent, like Sullivan Mars, um, yeah. like it's just, Characters are the things that are the most important to me. And so, like, that's the thing I kind of uh, glom onto the most when I'm developing new ideas or when I'm writing um, and figuring stuff out. Is that, you know, like, story hooks are cool. Like, telling somebody, like, yeah, I wrote this book that's set on Mount Everest. Um, that's a dope introduction. But <laughs> if, there's, if there's nothing there for them to to hold on to then that's all it is it's just like a cool idea um so i think like that has really like guided me through all the other stuff i do is that like character is the most important and you know like you have to have a cool story too but like if it's just cardboard people wandering through it like one how are you supposed to care as a the creator if like, it's all just props, uh, and then how is the reader supposed to care? Right. Um, also, it's a lot about death, which, uh, for whatever reason, a lot of my books tend to be about to some degree. I'm not sure why, but uh
0: <laughs> probably
1: the clown, just Probably just the thing. Clown
2: Motel.
0: <laughs> yeah.
5: yeah, I mean, that doesn't help. <laughs>
0: Amazing. All right, so... Uh, it turns out I don't know if you know this, Chris, but uh, a while back we did our Talking Comics Awards, and Crowded had actually won our award for Best New Series. I, I
1: did, year. yeah. Oh, thank I
5: you. I think
1: I was trying to rig those. I was trying That's to. That's right. That's uh, right. Yeah, yeah, Leah Williams beat me out, but she has a much bigger fan base. Like she's writing X Men comics, so I feel okay about losing <laughs> that one. But I'm glad we got we got the. A glad crowded one, and you got the podcast spot so far. So definitely beat it yeah. to that. Yeah, I'm accessible. Like uh, here I am. Like just reach out <laughs> and I'll be here. Like, yeah, like that. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So
0: let's see here. Can you uh, take us through kind of the the birth and evolution of crowded? Like, where did the idea come from? How did you hook up with your team? Uh, Rose Stein, Ted Branch, Triona Farrell, Cardinal Ray, and Julia Capra. Uh,
1: Sure. Uh, So I had the idea, I don't know, probably sometime in like 2013. um, And it was just like one of those things that pops into your head. Um, I'm not sure why I was thinking about it, but I just thought like, you know, the only way to really get anything done government wise, I think it might have been like in reaction to like the Tea Party stuff and like uh, Republicans basically obstructing everything. Um, but this idea of like, you know, these people are our public servants, but they don't serve us at all. And, and then I was like, you know, the the only way to really get them to listen is to like put a threat on them that like they couldn't shake. And then I was like, yeah, if like 10,000 people all threw in a hundred bucks, uh, to hire an assassin to kill one of them, um, the rest of them would probably fall in the line pretty quick. Mm-hmm. Um, so that was like the genesis of the idea. And I was like, well, that's cool. I don't know how to make that a story, though. Like, that's just like a, you know, that's just like a, a scenario. And then and then, eventually I was like, oh, and then, you know, I figured out that like the same way all this stuff does, uh, it, it eventually like got down to street level to like just regular people started using it. And they started using it for the most petty shit possible, um, <laughs> you know. It's just like some some kid uh, who you never forgave for like breaking your toy in in grade school, and just like you're drunk one night on the internet, and you're like, you know what? I'm gonna I'm gonna set up a campaign on this guy. So, yeah. uh, and it's like you know, if anyone out, and it's like this, uh, I don't know. This it, it it just kept cascading from there. Like as I tried to figure out how this platform existed and like how it worked, um, and then uh, and I tried pitching it just like that for a while without ever figuring out uh, who Charlie and Vita, the main characters, were. And thankfully, uh, a couple editors were like, "Yeah, it's not there yet." Um, so then I went away, figured it all out, and and then Juliet uh, is a friend of mine who I've, I've showed her a lot of my comic stuff in progress. And eventually I was just like, you should edit something. Like you're really good at this. Like you give good notes. So we had talked about working together on something and she knew Ted and Roe, and that they were looking for something to work on something substantial to work on. So she put us in touch and, uh, I sent them two pitches. I sent them crowded, and I sent them cold war um and they picked crowded uh, and then, yeah, then I asked them to suggest uh, a colorist, and they they picked Triona and then I asked Triona to pick a letter or to uh, at least vouch for a cardinal as a letter, and she did so hmm. uh, it was a very like it all felt very natural as it came together but you know it from start to finish it was you know a good 5 years of just puttering around doing nothing
0: man it really we've been having, we've been doing a couple of interviews this year and it's really blowing me away kind of when these comic books when like when the ideas for these stories start like you said 2013 yeah and so if this okay if the story starts in 2013 then how do you eventually move toward the whole like app culture and stuff like that like, like when did you start incorporating kind of like that world of all the different apps and all the different jobs like that's almost like prophetic if you're if you're working on it all the way
1: back then uh yeah no i mean that was certainly a much later i mean probably uh probably 2016, 2017 is when, cause that's when I started figuring out who Charlie and Vita were. Um, and yeah, just like something, it's something just popped into my head. I'm not sh- sure from where, but like this idea of like, Oh, all she does is just work on apps, like just bounces from one to another. And then I went looking and it's like, Oh, you can already do that now. Like there, every app, i list in the book is a real thing like you can you can Mm -hmm. rent out outfits of yours to strangers you can um just like the most ridiculous stuff there's an app for it uh and you can if you do enough of them you know you can make your living off of it so it just felt right it was just like well this all this stuff like fits together so perfectly um it was just yeah uh i mean and that's one of the nice things of like the fact that sometimes these ideas take forever is that you know sometimes you're just waiting for that one missing piece that will make it all make sense um and i think that was definitely you know living in an app culture for a couple of years definitely like attuned me to to write about it and incorporate it into this
0: um with regard to world building for a book like Crowded, like when you're building that from the ground up, do you have like whole sessions of writing or whole notes where you're kind of mapping out the city and its laws and its people and like the various apps? Like you said, you were pulling apps from real life. Um, did you have like a like a whiteboard map of any kind or notebooks or or documents where you kept? All of that stuff, where you were saying, like, this is how everything functions, while they're going on their adventure through this through the city. This is how the city behaves. Like, there's, for my, in my experience, I just reread *Crowded* um the other night uh, to prep for this, and it's just, there's so much life to the happenings that are going on uh, with Vita and and Charlotte that the clubs feel real, the city feels real. Like, it's it all feels much bigger than just the two of them Mm -hmm. and I wonder like how do you go about writing around the characters that the world feels so developed just as much as they do
1: Um, I think because in this book like I I wasn't looking to build an entirely new world I was just looking to uh, push the world we're in you know that's why I always call it 10 minutes in the future because that's what it is to me it's like it's not that far around the corner so um a lot of the you know there's a lot that i don't change because i feel like you see a lot of sci-fi movies where it's like it's 30 years in the future and it's like oh this skyline looks entirely different um and it's like no like things don't change that drastically like it's it's small societal stuff that changes like you know um like this library building will still be here there's no guarantees it'll still be a library in 20 years um Like, it might turn into a a hotel for squatters. Uh, Who knows? Mm -hmm. Uh, So, uh, like, one of the big inspirations for me on this book in terms of the future was uh, the Ryan Johnson movie Looper. Oh, uh, yeah. Which takes place, like, 30 years in the future. But it's basically our world. It's just, like... The trucks all have these weird like converter devices on them mm-hmm. and they have flying scooters and then they have eye drop drugs like but otherwise it's pretty much our world it's just a little bit worse and it's got a couple tweaks so um yeah and I just I don't know it's it's a thing where the, you know I do take a lot of notes but usually it's it's not stuff like figuring out i mean like when i came up with BiFurious, furious it was literally like in the writing i just knew that like they were gonna go to another location and i was like okay strip club for for bisexuals and then i was like what would i want there and i was like dim sum <laughs> uh, like, table side dim sum service so that was just, and as I was writing it, I was like, this is perfect. This is like, this is everything I love about writing comics. Um, so, so yeah, I try to not do a ton of planning cause I feel like you can, the more you live inside that world, the more stuff will sort of suggest itself in the moment. Um, mm-hmm. so I've done a lot of note taking and rejecting, uh, and I've got it all in case I ever want to go back on something, but but, yeah, it's just, like, I don't know. Um, I feel like I understand the world enough that uh, now I just kind of let it take me. And and also, I mean, a lot of it is down to, to Roe and Ted. Like, they do a lot of the heavy lifting in terms of, like, you know, all the sort of fake businesses and signs. Like, um, like I didn't come up with uh, America's Next Top Bottom as much as
5: I would. I <laughs> um
1: And stuff like that so they're you know they're building out the world that way so that you know i think all this stuff just converges and kind of feels hopefully like natural-ish
0: that's funny i was just about to ask you uh how much fun you had coming up with the alternative names for the apps and businesses like mover and drift and closet but you're saying that that was them
1: uh well i did name the i did come up with the different names for the apps but uh but like they did all the like when Cersei breaks into uh Charlie's apartment and goes through her DVR um like they did all the DVR title I suggested one which was a limb adoption which is a a a stoner idea I had like 13 years ago and I still think it's one of the worst (laughs) things I've ever come up with Um, (laughs) but the rest was all them and like yeah they came up with crispy kremlin and like uh (laughs) you know uh like uh Kickstarter as one of the other shops in the mall nice. um, next to the comic book store. The, I named the comic book store because that was the very first, like, that was the name of the very first cool comic book store I ever went to in Chicago. It was called Hepcat Comics. Um, so I wanted to, like, pay tribute to that. But it's really, like, yeah, it's, it's uh, like a team effort in terms of, like, building out the world and making it feel like something that just kind of is um rather than like hey we're gonna take your hand and you know like here's how things are different like i never want to do that i just want it to be sort of background stuff that you realize like oh that's not that's not how things are um so yeah that's our ethos i guess as close as we come
0: right on man so okay the, I feel like sometimes the movie stuff is always a bit shady, but mm-hmm. can you provide us with any updates for the crowded movie?
1: Um, the screenwriter is—I uh, think she's almost done with the uh, the script. Um, and Rebel Wilson just got done like being in Cats or something. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. So, um right now it's quiet but uh, I mean I think the plan is like to get the script locked in and then to start shopping it around and see who says yes if anybody does Um, so yeah I mean like I'm cautiously optimistic this has gone a lot further than any of my other uh, media ventures have gone so Mm -hmm. far so um, and Rebel is super into the book um, and she just likes it as a story and she doesn't doesn't want like she didn't option it so she could like tear out the guts of it and turn it like she wants it to be close to the story that we're telling. So that's so uh, awesome. Yeah. I mean like it's all good signals like you know they they you know they flew me down to L.A. uh, in October of last year to to meet with Rebel and the screenwriter so I could like answer questions they had Um so yeah, it's kind of uh, as as good as you could, you know, short of like actually having a trailer I could show everybody and confirmation that something is coming, like it's about as good as it gets. So where were you
0: at in the creative process of the book when you'd first heard the news that they were interested? Because I know it's, it was, um, I wrote a story for it, I work for a um movie website and i wrote the article when it was announced that rebel was interested how does something like that even come about because the book hadn't even hit shelves yet so they were they were shopping it around before it hit stands
1: um yeah i just so i just got an agent uh last year uh who is a guy i had been talking to for a couple years before that but um at emerald city last year he finally he like came to my table and he's like, I want I want to be your agent like for realsies. Um mm-hmm. so I was like, okay, that sounds good. Like uh, like I'll send you um, my stuff. So I sent him Crowded in Shanghai and uh, and then literally like, I mean, it was like three or four weeks later. He was like, so he's like, so I got some interest on it. Uh, from Rebel Wilson and I was like what and I was like, <laughs> yeah. like I, I hadn't even like finished signing, like, filling out all the paperwork to officially make him my agent and he was like she's very interested um, and I was just like I, okay uh, so yeah it was just like one of those things where I had somebody in my corner who was sort of out there shopping it around before um, it, it came out so, uh, so yeah, then suddenly, like, it was optioned, and then, which was kind of a relief. Like, it kind of took that off the table. It was like, oh, cool. Like, we've already impressed, um, a famous movie star, um, mm-hmm. and Hollywood. So, like, that felt like, okay, it feels like we're on the right path, at least. Like, it's nice to get some external validation. Yeah, sure. Um, so yeah, it was just like, uh, yeah, it was super weird because, uh, you know, just like uh, you don't you don't expect that to happen after your book has come out. Uh, like so to have it happen before the book comes out, is just like, I, I, yeah, I'm still the whole thing is weird and I will process it one day. But <laughs> just not today.
5: Yeah.
0: <laughs> um, Before we leave the film, do you have any dream castings for your characters?
1: Uh, um. So yeah, I know that Rebel w- wants to play Charlie. So mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. so I'm gonna say Rebel would be perfect as Charlie. Um, <laughs> uh, and then for for Vita, I was thinking um, can't why can't I remember her name? Uh, um, Valkyrie from Thor Tessa, Ragnarok.
3: Tessa Thompson. Yeah. Oh, yeah, definitely. Oh, uh, that would be good. Yeah. Uh Or
1: uh, Ted uh, has suggested. Um, um, I'm so bad with names. The uh, the woman from the Good Place, uh, Tahini.
0: Oh, uh, thought, Jale- Jamila Jamil.
1: Yeah. 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 Like, yeah. Cut her hair. Um. Like, oh, she would be she good would be, too. Too. She's definitely got the look for sure. She's hysterical. I like
0: her a lot um that's yeah dude i could i could definitely
1: see that happening that's awesome uh Uh, yeah but yeah i don't i don't care like you know anybody could play them um like short of somebody who is like a horrible person um i'm like do whatever i don't expect it to be you know the thing that we're making but that's why we're making the thing we're making is because we have a very specific vision in mind and i'm sure they have their own specific vision so they feel like complementary rather than like a one to one translation mm-hmm.
0: but. all right so getting back to the book uh you don't have to answer the question it could be a yes or a no but when volume 2 kicks off something that stuck out to me in in the first arc will we find out the details of the echo park massacre
5: in volume <laughs> 2 <laughs>
1: um Maybe. Maybe. Um, it, you, you're the, like the only person who has ever asked me about that. Um, <laughs> so it's kind of almost a thing that like I've left behind, but I do have plans to to bring it back around. Um, but it's part of a larger thing. So okay.
0: I just well, I, like I said I reread it the other day and that panel stuck out to me. And I was just like hmm, but perhaps I'm wrong. I don't know
1: no no I, I was
3: always just like I was like
1: man nobody has ever brought that up to me um, so congrats you were the first
3: All right. maybe it could be like all those uh, Sherlock Holmes adventures that Dr. Watson used to talk about that no one ever wrote you know the giant yeah, yeah. rat of Sumatra or whatever it's just it's that thing it's just, uh, wait sorry <laughs> hold on uh, my
1: dog just knocked my uh, headphone cord out please go away dog
4: <laughs> oh,
1: oh my god. Sorry. It's all right. This is a dog currently
4: yeah, my dogs interrupt constantly. So Okay. Um
1: Yeah, she's 60 pounds and she just jumped up and like boop popped the cord right out. Bob, do you want to take a moment to uh
0: deliver Sarah's message since we were talking about the yes. dog? Our uh
3: our other co host, Sarah Miles, is a huge fan of Zola. Okay, oh, so what what can you tell us about her besides that she knocks over headphones? Uh,
1: yeah, no, this has become a problem. This is now the second podcast she just like wandered in and is like, "You should be paying attention to me." Um, uh, she is a uh, she's a sixty pound uh, Staffordshire Terrier Pitbull. Um, I got her from a family that had a nine month old baby and was just gotten pregnant again. So they had to get rid of her just because they didn't have time to give her the attention that she needed. Um, right now, my fingers are in her mouth because she likes to mouth <laughs> on my hand a lot. Uh, but she has a very soft mouth, so it never hurts. It just gets right up to the edge. Uh, <laughs> and yeah, no, she's uh, like I have like dreamt of having a dog for years now. And um finally took the plunge uh and she is the dog i got and i feel like this is like a reward for having not had a dog for all those years was i got a pr- pretty perfect dog
3: Aww. <laughs>
5: Um, where, another... can we, where
3: can we find Ooh. Zola on the internet? She have her own
1: Twitter and Facebook. No, no. Like, I want all that traffic. I'm not gonna like. <laughs> oh, <okay>. yeah. <laughs> I, I, I stalk your dog on the internet. I'm not. Yeah, gonna... I
4: exactly. do. I totally stalk your dog on the internet.
1: <laughs> <laughs> no, I know. And there are people who just follow me, like just to see photos of her. And it's like that's yeah, that's the deal. I'm not like because I know she would surpass me. Uh, <laughs> that's the other thing. It's, is like it's it's, so... it's it's there's something very um um. I don't know. Uh it's it's slightly harmful to the self-esteem walking around with such a beautiful dog because people are just like, "Oh, your dog's so gorgeous." Like, "Such a beautiful dog." And it's just like, "I'm right here." Like, what about me? <laughs> Am I beautiful? I mean, I know I'm not beautiful, but uh but it's like and then the 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 I think with the first 3 weeks I had her, uh there were two bicyclists going by us and one said to the other, um Look at the big head on that one, and I wasn't sure if he was talking about me or the dog because <laughs> <laughs> we both have giant heads. So um, so yeah, no. Uh, it's uh, having a dog is everything I dreamed of, and a lot of things I didn't dream of. Um, so uh, I, I recommend it if anybody's on the fence
0: all right. Well, we actually have a crowded question about dog. All right. I was going to ask you about the evolution of that character was it always a part of your plan to include uh the pooch
1: or oh. perhaps a happy plot device that you later decided to keep that was another thing that like i think happened in the moment um like i i had i i knew that i had the old woman walking like this dog uh, so that she would look as harmless as possible and then and then I had the old lady, like, pull a gun and start attacking. And then for whatever reason, I was like, Charlie's going to steal the dog. Um, and I just wrote it in there because uh, that was in a stage where I didn't have a dog. So I was still just like, oh, is this is a story I'm doing. Well, then I'm going to put a dog in it. Um, <laughs> so and then, yeah, like, I think, like, by the time I was done writing that first issue, I was like, I can't believe, like dog was never a part of this. Cause like dog now feels super integral, uh, to everything that we're doing.
0: <laughs> I would say really, so. Yeah.
1: Um, okay. How
0: did you we'll switch gears a little bit? Uh, mm-hmm. go back to talking about Charlie and Vita. How did you go about developing the relationship between those two? Were there any fictional characters or real life people that served as inspiration for their chemistry? Um,
1: just, I think a lifetime of watching buddy comedies um Dibs. <laughs> like yeah it's just it's a it's a dynamic that's very easy to get into um and I, I'm, like the biggest influence I would say overall is the movie Midnight Run with Robert De Niro and Charles
5: mm-hmm.
1: um like there's something about that movie that I find so kind of effortlessly great um like it's it just moves from like one ridiculous set piece to the next but it's all held together by how much these two characters dislike each other but are stuck together um and I don't know I just think that's a really that's a fun dynamic um some of my most cherished friendships I've had have been like these sort of uh, jabbing friendships where you you two attack each other, but it's you know, it's out of love, but it's like this is the one person that like you can call a piece of shit, and you, you're you fine with them calling you one because it's because this is just like this is your dynamic. And I, right, I, right. I wanted to get into that a bit where it's just like, you know, it's like, no, we like, you know, we're stuck together and we are learning to like each other but um but also like there's something fun about just like poking somebody to see what their breaking point is um so yeah it's i mean like it's it comes from a million different sources but it was just like it's it's just one of those things where you never know how characters are going to interact really until you start writing them um And so I think, like, when I was trying to figure out that first page, um, like, as I was writing it, I was like, well, now Charlie's just going to pick up some of Vita's sandwich and start eating it. I was like, what an asshole. Um, And then and then Vita's going to, like, slam her head down into the table, um, but it's for the most noble of reasons. Like, she's saving her life. And it was like, from there, it just felt like, all right, like we're off to the races. I don't know. Um sometimes you struggle really hard for it, but with, with Charlie and Vita it just felt like unnatural. Um I think also because of, like I know who they are individually as characters. Mm-hmm. Um so I know like what their backstories are and sort of what shapes them. So it makes it sort of easier to figure out like what what pushes the others buttons and how to get at it.
0: Well, I personally think it's some of the best character chemistry that's going on in comics right now. So thank you very much. Thank you for that. Um, So can you tell us anything about where we're headed for uh, the second arc and when does it launch?
1: Um, So it's uh, so I goofed up and I, I didn't get the solicit in, in time. So we come back in June instead of uh, May. Um, But this is, all for the good because like we we all just like kind of busted our heads getting six issues done in a row um so uh we're we're sort of cranking slowly back up um but the second arc is uh um i mean i could tell you that at least one of the places they go is las vegas um and it's uh You know, now they they no longer have the safety of a stable base, and they're trying to find somewhere safe. Like, and only at this point, only four days of the campaign has passed, so there's still 26 days of like the money going up and more people wanting to kill them. So, um, second arc, we're really going to dig into uh, a lot of what makes Vita tick. Um and get into her backstory. We're gonna get into Charlie's as well. Um, like, yeah, it's just gonna be sort of big uh, and ridiculous as the first arc, but in a different way. We uh, I've been talking with Ted and Roe about. Well, we started talking about it as we were nearing the end of the first arc, but like approaching each arc slightly in a slightly different stylistic manner um and this is more on their end but they were giving me uh like sort of influences um so i think like fourth arc they were talking about would be really sort of uh influenced by uh uh, darwin cook's like new frontier book whoa um and this second arc i can't remember what they said but like the second arc is not going to be as packed with stuff um it's like our first arc there was just like so much going on at all times so we're gonna um be not quite as dense uh but hopefully each issue will be just as fulfilling um i don't know we're kind of like goofing around with it like we want each each arc to sort of feel like its own thing but also part of a bigger whole mm-hmm. um but this is you know it's a this is a road trip story so um you know they're not gonna uh, spoiler they're not gonna stay in vegas so they're just gonna <laughs> keep moving and we're gonna sort of get a travelogue of like what the rest of america is like in this future um And yeah, I have, uh, I don't know, I'm pretty excited about like, I I mean, I know the very last line of the book. I know exactly where everything's going. So it's just a matter of us getting the work done and getting there.
0: That sounds awesome. I can't wait
1: to check it out.
0: All right. uh, Let's switch it up again. I'm going to actually hand the mic over to Joey, who uh, wants to ask you a little bit about Shanghai Red.
2: Shanghai Red. That book is so good. Thanks. Oh, it was awesome. Um, my that book. When I was reading it, um, I picked it up because Joshua Hickson's art is it's stellar, and obviously, yeah. you know, Chris, of course, you know, big fan of your work as well. Um, how much research goes into a book like that? You know, there's a lot of kind of history you're playing with there, and the geography and all of the kind of background of Shanghai and people, you know, across the country, across the oceans. As pirate vessels, whatever, how much research goes into a book like that, and and where did the idea come from for it?
1: Um, uh, The idea came from going on uh, basically like a tourist trap thing here in Portland. Um, They have a tour of the Shanghai Tunnels, so uh, it was me and a couple other comics pros. It was like right after Emerald City of 2013, I think, and we decided to go. So you like meet at this bar in downtown Portland, and then you go under the street. Uh, like you take this very steep ladder down through, uh, you know, those metal doors in the sidewalk. Um, and then you're in this section of the tunnels that's still left. And then the, the guide leads you through it and tells you stories about Shanghai and stuff. Um, and when I walked out of there, I had the opening to the book in my head, mm-hmm. um, and, and then, uh, and then it was like, uh, now I have to figure out like how they got on the boat, um, and you know, what, what they're going to do when they get off. So, uh, I'd say like, I don't know, on and off, I probably did a couple months of research, um. You know, it's hard to calculate because I would, I would like pick up a bunch of books and just like read as much as I could. And I went to the library to like their special collections, you know, the rooms where they won't let you leave with the material. (laughs) Um, So I was like reading old like ship captains logs and stuff and like old newspapers from the time, Um, like just to get it close enough. I mean I, I knew I wasn't writing a, a nonfiction history book, so I just wanted to have enough that it felt truthy. Um, but you know the the plus side is like there's nobody around who can really call bullshit on it because they're all <laughs> <"Man."> <laughs>
5: It's a pretty um, crazy
2: concept as is did it was it always gonna be kind of that story of of red and what essentially kind of from my reader's perspective but essentially becomes almost a, a a trans story by the end the way that that he kind of finds himself by the end of that that that, that series did it evolve into that was that part of the original shanghai idea where did that protagonist come from
1: um i mean i i i knew i wanted the protagonist to be a woman uh just because i because women weren't shanghaied uh at least not in the same traditional sense that men were like when women were shanghaied they were you know put into uh you know sex trafficking basically and i didn't want to do a story about that so Mm -hmm. um so then i had to figure out how she wound up on the boat and then you know like and there's a you know a huge amount of historical basis for women dressing as men to get better jobs and advance in society when society wouldn't let them. So I started incorporating a lot of that. Um, And then, I mean, like I wouldn't say that it's a trans story because I'm not trans. So I don't, I don't claim to know what that, but it's definitely a story about gender identity uh, to some degree, like about figuring out who you are Um, you know, and just sort of accepting, I, you know, I still don't necessarily, you know, I mean, that's definitely wasn't the main thrust of the book, but it was definitely one of the big parts of it. And I did my best to make sure I wasn't fucking it up. Um, so like I, I had, uh, you know, editors and sensitivity readers to make sure that like, because I didn't want to claim to be writing a trans story. Um, But, you know, I've had readers interpret it as such, and I think that's great. Like, I I wanted to make it open enough that, like, it would speak to whoever is sort of struggling with that stuff. Mm -hmm. Um, Like, maybe you're just, like somewhere on the non-binary scale, and you're just, like, figuring that out. Like, I feel like it can speak to that as much as anything else. Or, you know, even if it has nothing to do with your gender, just, like, trying to figure out exactly who you are in this world. Um, I thought it added a bit... I just didn't want to do, like, a straight, like, run-and-gun book of, like, here comes this woman killing everybody, like, for, you know, to get revenge, and, like, then she gets revenge, and it's all, like for nothing like i wanted it to mean a bit more and i wanted to you know again like i had to care about the character so um yeah i don't know i just felt like it was something that uh at least in fiction is not dealt with much um from that time period um or overall so um you know i definitely kind of tread lightly but i I felt like I had some skin in the game to at least like throw my own uh, um questioning in there and yeah. like hopefully it it resonates with somebody
2: i I think it definitely does I think and the scene in in four when Red's talking with with uh Sarah is that the sisters mm-hmm. yeah the, that scene where where they're kind Her. of come to terms with it all is just so powerfully written and and that sensitivity comes through and I just want to commend you for it. That scene really like locked that book in for me as one that was a great book from last year. Um, is there more in that, in that universe? There's a lot of baggage between them getting away and coming back years later to get that, you know, is there, is there more with those characters that you'd want to do?
1: Um, I mean, there's more we could do. I don't know that there's really more that I want to do. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, like, that that whole historical gap at the end, that was a necessary thing, because that's how actual history went down. Um, but I also th- thought that, you know, back when we were pitching it, I thought that that carved us out a nice space, that if we had more to say at that time, that we had this sort of opening, that we could go back and be like, well, what happened, you know, on the boat for this decade plus? Sure. Um, but now, I, I, I don't know, I find it more interesting just to kind of leave it to the reader yeah. to picture themselves uh, what happened um, and what's going to happen. Like, um, you know, I, I as much of a bummer as that book is, I wanted to leave it on something approximating a happy ending.
5: Oh, yeah, I was uh, like, yes! <laughs> <laughs>
1: and who knows, you know, that that might be the last happy moment they ever have, but I wanted to at least, like, you know this is as close as they get um then i wanted to have that after you know a hundred plus pages of just pure sadness sure (laughs) (laughs) all right joey is that all you got
2: yeah man love that book It was awesome
0: thank you all right it's kind of time to play a game we are uh last week while i was away actually in portland uh oregon chris uh i was hanging around downtown over at uh leica studios I, uh, they did the vague movie description game where everybody vaguely described their top five favorite films. And then we all had to guess what they were. So if you didn't hear the last episode, it was very entertaining. Definitely go and check it out. But, uh, Jess and I didn't get to play and we have Chris, uh, here with us tonight. So we figured we would resurrect the game and finish it out. And,
4: uh, I would like Jess to go first. Of course you do. Uh, <laughs> you're going to make me go first. Yeah. <sighs> okay. All right. My first one. Are you ready? Is everyone yes. ready? Um, people with animal names and costumes run around in the wintertime. <laughs> people with animal what? Animal names and costumes run around in the wintertime.
0: Animal mm. names <laughs> and costumes run around in the wintertime. Everybody does the same thing. They always just repeat what <laughs> yeah. you said. Um, where an, have animal names and costumes? And it's not um, it's not where the wild things are. No, no, it's not. You never. <laughs> We're never gonna get it.
4: <laughs> Probably not. Does
0: anybody else have any ideas?
1: Right, no. Not a one.
3: No. <laughs> Go ahead, Jeff.
4: Batman
1: returns.
2: Yeah! Oh God! <laughs> she's good at this gorgeous,
0: game. Yeah. Oh, it's gonna be like that.
4: <laughs> I'm sorry. It's the truth. People. No! 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 no. Run around in the wintertime.
0: <laughs> no. Yeah. You're 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 playing the game the right way. I'm just ashamed <laughs> that I didn't get it. All right. Uh, let's let's hear your next one.
4: My next one. Uh, dead people are upset that they're dead. There's also a worm, a, sta- a snake, and an angsty teenager. Beetlejuice. Beetlejuice. <laughs> um my next one uh a tall emo guy can't find his purpose in life and there's also a lot of singing
0: a tall beetlejuice <laughs> oh uh, no.
4: nightmare before christmas um where am i what did i what did i read already um oh here we go uh kids without parental supervision get advice from an old dude they also want some special rock sandlot
5: no <laughs> they
1: get also. what from
4: an old dude <laughs> they get advice from an old dude
1: oh um <laughs> this is like a star wars thing or something right
5: no oh, yeah. no nope. it's not
1: okay oh, it's kids not a uh, lord of the rings
5: no it's not
0: close no. close <laughs> um oh god a special rock
4: yeah
0: is so- it harry potter
4: Yes, it is. Uh, <laughs> the first one in the Sorcerer's Stone or the Philosopher's Stone, depending on where they, you are. Uh, done. <laughs> All right. and what do I got one more. Last one. Right, right. Um, a kid teaches adults not to be jerks to animals and has a breakthrough with his super gentle dad. Free Willy. No. <laughs> <laughs> no but, Read it one more time. A kid teaches adults not to be jerks to animals and has a breakthrough with his super judgmental dad.
0: Oh, man, that could be anything.
4: <laughs> it's, big. it's very big.
0: Uh, I think you. anybody have any ideas?
3: Oh, completely no. stuck, Jess. Way to go.
4: <laughs> it's How to Train Your Dragon. Oh, oh I've <laughs> never seen that. movie. Yeah. One of them. Well, the first one is, yeah. I'm sorry. Uh, Toothless is one of my favorite characters ever. <laughs> I have you have seen before, the third one I was, yet? Yeah, I took one to see it, and we, and we cried together, and she consoled me. Aww. She said, "You okay? Jessie. Jesse will be okay." Jessie, it'll be okay. <laughs> She's <three. laughs> She's adorable.
0: Yeah. All right. Well, we, we got made it through that a
4: lot. We, we got about
2: three out of the five there. Yeah. Yeah.
0: I think you guys are going to get mine, but
1: uh, Chris, do you want to take a stab at it? Um. Sure. Uh. So I didn't know it was favorite films. Um, of course, I didn't really, like, write anything down anyway. Um, all right. First one is uh, two men compare scars on a boat.
3: Jaws.
5: Okay. <laughs> but I
3: loved that. <laughs> yeah. See, I, I was going to use that last week, and mine was three guys go fishing.
5: <laughs> wow. <laughs>
3: Give us well, a that was, Bob. <laughs>
1: Yeah, that, my next one was going to be uh, three guys go for a trip in the woods. Um, oh, man, I know. Well, Wizard of Oz. <laughs> three guys.
0: Three guys go for a trip into the woods? Yeah. Um, it's not. I'm thinking of Stephen King's Dreamcatcher, but that's definitely not it.
5: <laughs>
0: and it was more than three guys. I think it was like five. <laughs> Uh three guys go into the woods. Deliverance. Yeah.
5: Hey!
1: Nice.
0: Nicely done.
1: Uh you wanna uh, do one more? Sure. Uh, a a dog murders twelve men. <laughs> uh Cujo? No. In the winter. Uh. <laughs>
2: Oh, a dog oh. in the winter.
0: A dog murders 12 men in the winter. A dog
1: murders
3: 12
1: men in the winter. A dog? A dog. You sure it's Akujo?
3: Exactly.
1: <laughs> <laughs> that doesn't take place in the winter. No.
0: Kujo um, too, though. <laughs> it's not Dog the Bounty Hunter. He didn't go off the deep end, did he? A
2: dog murders um, 12 guys in the wood in the winter.
0: I don't think I know this one. Is it
2: the one where Liam Neeson puts glass gloves on and kills a bunch <laughs> of wolves? Oh, the great.
1: No, because no, oh. some of those dudes die from other things. No, I was talking about John Carpenter's The Thing.
5: Oh yes, oh,
1: that's good.
2: That's good. That's...
1: <laughs> Nicely done. I off, track
2: off the
4: cuff there. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Not bad at
0: all. That's
2: why he's a writer.
0: God, I would hate to think of if we actually gave you time. <laughs>
4: <laughs> we had time.
0: <laughs> All right, I got, I got some. Here we go. A curmudgeonly accountant befriends a silver-tongued drifter on his way home for the holidays. Plane strings and automobiles. Deals. Very good. <laughs> All right. A disgraced disc jockey and a tortured soul search for redemption in the big city.
2: Scrooge? Scrooged? No. Uh, I'll read it one more time yeah.
0: A disgraced disc jockey Oh, the and a Fisher tor- King Yes! Oh, that's good Very well done Love that movie so much the Fisher King Alright, here we go A rhinoceros and a man made of rainbows Square off for the chance to win the hearts of children around the world
1: <laughs> Oh, death to Smoochie
0: Yep
5: <laughs> Love
1: Bad
0: movie. Top five all time. No challenges whatsoever. All right. A journalist and an attorney give Spider Man a lift while in pursuit of the American dream. I'll read it one more time. A journalist and an attorney give Spider Man a lift while in pursuit of the American dream.
1: But which Spider Man? <laughs> <laughs>
0: There's so many <laughs> yeah. now. If you say, if you a lot of Cap- people don't know this casting. They don't know that it's him. And when you tell them, it blows their minds.
3: If you would say said Captain America. I just said Easy Rider, but no, it's Spider Man. Nope.
0: A journalist and an attorney give Spider Man a lift while in pursuit of the American dream.
3: Oh,
2: it's uh, Fear and Loathing. Toby
0: Maguire is the hitchhiker. In the beginning of that movie. Fats man. Yep. It's Bats. <laughs>
1: He's my he's my least uh, considered (laughs) Spider-Man. He's even below the dude who played him in the 70s. (laughs) Nicholas Hammond. Wow. Yes. (laughs) All right. Last one, Steve. We're
0: just admiring the shape of your skull. Um, Last one. This is really easy. A slacker detective is thrust into a contemporary noir while searching for a millionaire's bunny.
2: Oh, dude. Lebowski.
0: There you go. Come on. Yeah, it really helps that I talked about going on the Big Google Girls the, the other week. Yeah. <laughs> um, all right. So there are my, there are my, my uh, vague movie descriptions. Nice. Obviously, I either did really well or I failed miserably because everybody guessed them.
2: No, it's always uh, nice when you get it right. It's good to end on a high note.
0: <laughs> yes. Hell yeah. All right. Well. Chris, thank yes. you so much for joining us this week. This was awesome. Yeah, uh would you Yeah, would you like to tell our listeners uh where they can find you online and perhaps plug any projects that you have coming up? Uh, I know the crowded trade is coming up uh real soon. Yeah,
3: end of the month, right?
1: Uh yeah, the March 20th. Um um so yeah everybody should buy that or shanghai red uh or high crimes which also came out from image as trades um i have a i have a new book uh coming out from vault that's going to be announced on thursday Ooh. Ooh. um so i'm excited about that and then i have another new creator-owned book that's getting announced very soon um but uh online you can find me at uh, Christopher Sibella com is my website and then uh, best place I guess to reach me is Twitter where I'm uh, at Xtop X-T-O-P and that's it
0: alright well once again thank you so much we'll say goodbye here and then we'll say goodbye for real once we bid everybody <laughs> sure. farewell um, be sure to check out Crowded Shanghai Red and all of Chris's projects all awesome Thanks again, Chris. And uh, we will be right back with more lightning rounds and some open discussion. Thanks once again to Chris Abella for joining us on the podcast. Awesome interview. And uh, we look forward to having him back on the show later down the line. I now have five minutes that I'm going to put on the clock for myself and go. Okay, so I've been super busy uh, working and all kinds of things. So I haven't had a whole lot of time to read, but... I have read about a 100 and so pages of Comics Will Break Your Heart uh, by Faith Erin Hicks. It is a novel. It is not a graphic novel. It is a real-ass novel with just words, and you got to make the pictures with your third eye. And it's really good. It's about a young girl named Miranda. She's in, like, junior year. And this other dude, Weldon. So... What they find out is Weldon comes to town. He's been kicked out by his parents because he, like, drove their car into a mall or something like that uh, or or stole a cop car. He's He likes to get behind the wheels of cars and do dumb shit with cars. That is his, like, his kink, his thing. So they ship him off to his uncle uh, for the summer because Daddy-O, who is, like, the Stan Lee of the Tomorrow Men – now has like his big Justice League-style movie coming out, and it's like crunch time, and it's going to make or break the franchise that everybody loves, and there's so much pressure, and they can't have you getting behind cars and smashing them into things and killing people. He didn't kill anybody, but you get my point. So he ends up getting into a fight after stealing another car, and he meets Miranda, who works at a comic shop in the city, in the downtown area, and she kind of breaks up the fight, and basically, bah, ba, da, bah, da, bah, you find out that their families have a bit of a history and that there was a legal battle for who owned the rights to the Tomorrow Men. So it turns out that like Miranda's grandfather was one of the original artists and co-found, uh, co-creators of the Tomorrow Men, and then eventually they had to sell all their stuff to Weldon's father and all these things, grandfather, whatever it is. Um, it's a really charming story. It's lots of fun. It's Faith Aaron Hicks. It's very funny. Um, I really enjoy the characters. It's really starting to heat up, so I don't know how much more I can I can say about it. It's kind of like a it's not Romeo and Juliet, but it is definitely a summer romance novel uh, that is just steep to hell in comics. and it, it just it makes for a lot of fun teen drama. Uh, I would say. I'm enjoying it. I'm looking forward to finishing it. The other thing that I wanted to talk about, ever since I read uh, Chabute's Alone, I have just been picking up the rest of his catalog. Um, We now have in our library, in physical form, all of his books. And I read Park Bench. Okay? Park Bench is the type of book that should come with its own, like, minstrel or... Like an orchestra that just kind of you can pull them out of the back flap of the book and they can perform for you while you're reading this. It reminds me of somebody's silent film soundtrack set to classical music. If they were to ever animate this, it would be amazing. Park Bench is a wordless comic, all pictures, and it is the day in the life of several years of a solitary park bench. And if that doesn't sound riveting, let me tell you, give this thing a couple of pages. Give it like 30 pages for you to kind of get the rhythm of what's happening around this bench. People sit on benches. Things happen. People have phone conversations. People break up. People sit next to strangers and make connections. And so all of that stuff starts to kind of crop up in this book. And as you're going through it, you're seeing these threads, these people coming back to this bench, and you're you're basically following them through a couple of years of their lives. So this book has been around for about two years, so I feel okay kind of spoiling an aspect or two from it. Um, just to give you an idea as to some of the threads that happen in this book, there's this one really sad thread where it's a cute little old couple, and what they love to do is they love to come to the park and sit on the bench And they share like a pastry together. The old man takes out the pastry. He cuts it in half. He hands it to his wife. They enjoy it. And then they get up and they move on with their lives. And then like 30, 40 pages later, they come back and they have another pastry. So on and so forth. So you're following them and you're following them and you're following them. And then toward the end of the book, there's this moment where the old man sits down next to one of the strangers. And he cuts the pastry in half. He eats his half. And then he gets up and leaves and the stranger looks down and there's half a pastry sitting on the bench because his wife has passed away between the time that you saw them last and that day. And I just, I died. I died inside. It was so moving. And I, I teared up right then and there. Um, I'm out of time, but super quick. There's one more thread. Of There's tons of threads. I'm not spoiling them all. But there's one about, there's a, a homeless man. Who is kind of locked in this um, tit for tat relationship with one of the local cops that he goes around and he searches the park at night and he looks for vagrants and stuff. And so this guy always finds a way to somehow sleep on the bench. He waits for him to be, for a shift to be over and whatever. And so for a number of years, they have this back and forth where this cop is always waking him up in the morning and yelling at him and giving him citations and the homeless guy's ripping them up and throwing them into the air and whatnot. And then later on in the book, the cop is retired and he's wearing a retired shirt and he sits down on the park bench next to the homeless guy that he's been locked in this thing with for all these years. And he's got a fishing pole as a parting gift from his, uh, from his cop buddies or whatever. And the homeless guy starts talking to him about the fishing rod and he takes something off of, uh, out of his bag and he fashions him a lure and they start kind of having this conversation. And then the new cop, in town comes by, starts yelling at the homeless guy. Retired cop gets up and totally just hashes it out with the new cop and explains to him that that guy is not, he's not loitering. He's with him. They're enjoying a conversation that he needs to leave and he needs to not bother him. And it's such an incredible turnaround that it's another one of those moments where you just, you, it's so satisfying. And it all happens in this book. And there's tons and tons of other stuff like that. It's about 550 pages. And it's absolutely exquisite. Artwork is just spectacular. And, yeah, it's like like a fine wine of a graphic novel. So it's called Park Bench uh, by Chabute. There you go. Sorry, I ranted. I went way over my time. It's okay. I love this dude's stuff. I have his version of Moby Dick, which I want to read. And I have another one. It's like Into the Woods or something like that uh, that I'm gonna check out. But if you can, it's um, published by G13. If you can ever find it in a store, pick it up, check it out. I'm telling you, I don't know. I don't know how somebody could read this and not and not be moved by it. Um, this came out in 2017. Yet another book that I missed the year that we did our awards, <laughs> but I've got my eye on him now. So if he yeah. puts out a book in 2019, this is already over.
3: Well, I think it's great that you have a park, a whole bunch of park bench stories and Faith Erin Hicks, because so many wonderful moments in her adventures as a superhero girl were centered around that bench. Oh, that's right. Right. The old lady was sitting there, and Monocle Bear would show up and all those crazy Monocle things. Monocle Bear. I love Monocle <laughs> Bear. So um, I yeah,
0: it's uh, it, it's uh, it's amazing. Yeah, I, I, both books that I've read uh by him so far have really just blown me away, and and left me with just this like crazy elated, like loving life kind of feeling, and and taking appreciation in like the little stories and the, the little connectivities that everybody has, and that you know, at a place where people sit down, it's a crossroads. And there's a lot of intersecting lives that you would never think of. You know, the guy who always uh, gets stiffed on his dates ends up finding love on the park bench. You know, it's it's really beautiful. So, go buy it. Go buy it, stick it in your library, and then make other people read it. All right. (laughs) Let's do some open discussion. Bob.
5: Yes?
3: Tell me all about West Coast Avengers number 8. Sure. It is, of course, Kelly Thompson, and we have Gong Hyuk Lim, and Joe Caramonga. And this issue, the team is trying to wrap their heads around Novar's very convoluted intel about Kate's old foe, Madam Mask, being in league with the Skrulls, which eventually results in an undercover an undercover mission that goes wonky- just instantly. I mean from the get-go it's off the charts bad but maybe just maybe Gwenpool can save the day and maybe Jeff can even help I don't know and what about <gasps> no too many surprises here. but what I am gonna say is that West Coast Avengers from first page where that we started here has been an absolutely delightful read. Uh, Kelly Thompson just bringing great humor, great characterization, funny setups that land with even funnier punchlines. And that makes it very sad, considering that this series wasn't listed in the previews for May. Has my curse struck again? (laughs)
0: No
5: uh, oh, you joking, don't believe man. it joey
2: I don't I don't I'm gonna I'm, I have faith all right, so here's what's gonna it's gonna they're gonna do some event and then they're gonna come back it's gonna be great that's what I think um I love West coast Avengers it it's super fun the going back to the Brodock stuff and all of that it, it's mm. it's just great i and obviously we know my love for Kate Bishop and seeing novar back and it was just a lot of baggage that uh, harkened back to what the Young Avengers days, mm. you know. Um, not seeing it on the solicits and everything was weird. Who knows what's gonna happen? I was talking about it off the air though. If, if you think about Hawkeye going all the way back to twenty twelve, you know, uh, Fraction in David a- Aha's run, yeah. like that book should never stuck around. And that that storyline has continued through fractions, run for 21 issues, into Lemire's run for 12 issues, yeah. and Kelly Thompson's run on 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 Kate's book proper, and now into West Coast Avengers. It's just this long legacy of books that, hopefully, one day they collect and together into this one giant tome of of Kate Bishop's Hawkeye story and uh i love it uh, uh, if it's three more issues or 50 more issues i'll I'll be around for it and uh, who knows you know maybe they're just taking the month off and uh they'll be back with 11 in in july it's, it's yeah, it is, you know that's
3: right maybe there's that's no place spirit. for it yeah there's kind no place for it spirit. in the war of the realms yeah you know? maybe
2: that's or maybe war of the realms changes everything or infinity wolverine or whatever the hell's going on over <laughs> right there uh, is gonna change some things around and we're gonna come back with a new young Avengers books you know or here's Ooh. all right here we go this is what's gonna happen you ready Here it is yeah we're ready ah, Don't ah, right, ah, so we're ready end games is gonna happen right and one end of the games. things <laughs> end game right, is gonna happen and then one of the things that's gonna spin out an end game is uh, the future is gonna look bright for that young Avengers movie we've been waiting for forever right mm-hmm. so what they're gonna do is they're they're wrapping Kelly Thompson's West Coast Avengers now. In in May, when Endgame comes out, so that at the end of the summer they can launch a new Young Avengers book just in time for the Young Avengers movie that's going to come out. Right.
3: Because there'll be a post credit sequence in Endgame that has grown up Cassie and Kate Uh being like a female Avengers team led by Captain Marvel.
2: Yep. We got to find them. We got to find a new crew. That's what's going to happen. That's it. That's it. That's it. That's That's it.
0: what would you do if the end credit sequence for Endgame is Kamala Khan?
2: I would throw up everywhere.
0: Yeah. yeah. Imagine that.
2: I oh would die. God. I would die. If here's what, if this happened, right. I'm sitting there watching Endgame, and then the end credits scene starts and it's me in Jersey city theater. Yeah. And Kamala Khan is sitting next just, to me. Like, yeah. I'm
0: picturing like, like they're filming it from the back, right? So they don't have to cast her just yet. But it's a girl sitting at her desk, and she's she's doing the the Avengers fan fiction, and the the way that you know it's hers, like maybe by the sneakers or something. But you see that sloth uh, stuffed animal <laughs> that she has sitting in the background, and then like three people in the theater are gonna be like, uh,
5: you
2: just hear Ama from downstairs being like, Kamala. And she, and she's like <laughs> and she just runs down the. St- I would weep.
0: I would weep. Oh my god! I would, I would lose it.
2: I would lose it. <laughs> mind. Yeah, come in to sweep up that. the popcorn, and
0: I'd be like, <laughs> well, uh, "Now I'm going to be disappointed if this yeah. doesn't happen."
4: Look, I don't, I don't like think anybody could really handle this though. I think we'd uh, all just like cry in the theater and just stay there, <laughs> like Joey said, and never leave.
2: <laughs> you know what? The I live scene, here now. You know what the end credit <laughs> scene for Endgame is going to be. Nothing.
3: There's gonna be no There's gonna be
2: no post credit scene for Endgame.
3: That's no, it'll it. be. It'll be no. It'll be Thanos in the bathrobe, like Deadpool doing Ferris Bueller. <laughs> be like, "You're still here. You're still yeah, yeah." Didn't I snap you out of existence?
5: Yeah,
3: yeah, yeah, yeah. Hey, hey uh, Kamala was introduced in the last pages of Captain Marvel seventeen. Yes, just like what you're saying, you mm-hmm. saw her from behind, looking at a poster of Carol. Yeah, that's all you need, man.
4: Yeah. It, that's it right there.
0: So, do you think that does Captain Marvel? The end of Captain Marvel lead right into Endgame? We got we got twenty five years to jump if that's the
2: case. Yeah. The movie takes place in nineteen ninety five. Yeah. I got a lot of questions that are going to be answered in twenty four hours.
5: Yeah.
2: Yes. Yeah.
3: Stick through all the post credit sequences. That's I what we got to do. Anyway, West Coast super fun.
0: Yeah. <laughs> mm. All right. Good stuff. Speaking of good stuff, why don't you take us through the Fantastic Four?
3: Okay, it is Fantastic Four number seven. Dan Slott, Aaron Cooter, Martic Gracia, Rochelle Rosenberg, and the ubiquitous Joe Caramagna. <laughs> Doctor Doom has lured Galactus to Latveria by infusing one of his subjects with the power cosmic. She's now called Victorious, and... She's attacked the world leader only to become a captive who's being drained of that incredible force. However, this seems to be part of Doom's master plan, as is the presence of the Fantastic Four, as he needs their help to take this to the next step for, as he puts it, the good of my people, the Earth, and the rest of the cosmos. Plenty of action, quite a few wonderful, fantastic four moments, and moments for really everybody involved. What made this issue sing for me was Dan Slott's classic taste uh, take on Victor Von Doom. I think he's really <laughs> captured the special mix of villainy and nobility that folks like Stan and Jack and John Byrne gave him in their epic tales of the Lord of Latveria. Uh, the art by Kuro uh, Gracia and Rosenberg is a great benefit, too. Small and and big moments just captured well. The, the kids, a little side visit to uh, Franklin Valeria and Alicia and so on. Uh, book has been awesome from first first panel, first page. We're it's just great to have the Richards back. Mm-hmm. What else we got? Who who read Fantastic Four number seven?
0: Uh, I read it. I will just say, I mean, you all know how much I'm enjoying the book. I really appreciated the absurdity of doom in this (laughs) issue. He, once he gets going, he just keeps going with his, his bravado and his like, you know, like everybody sucks compared to doom. (laughs) And it's just, there are times when I find it menacing. And then there are times where I find it really comical and this was kind of a like a unique mixture of the two. Mm-hmm. I was I don't know I really I enjoyed him very much and I appreciate that uh, Franklin still has his uh, spiky blue hair. I'm yeah. glad that that stuck <laughs> around. Uh, I do find it hard to believe that they would have gotten caught while trying to make their device. Though I feel like I feel like malaria needs to these are flexing the old uh, cerebral cortex a little bit to Flexing get in, involved. <laughs> well, they keep talking about how they've been sidelined and while I, that's part of the story and I trust the team and everything like that. Like I want to see them doing more than being told to go back to bed.
2: Well, someone's got to rescue the gang next issue.
3: Yeah. And right now they're in the middle of nowhere, right? This the, she's not at the Baxter building where she's got access to all her dad's stuff. Yeah. You know, she, she's an Aunt Petunias, and all it can do is, is take their truck apart and try to build it into a dimensional portal.
5: <laughs> I'll I put it back like Larry really. could
0: make one out of a pen. Like, she just has that MacGyvering about her, but we'll see. <laughs> uh, who else read Fantastic Four?
4: I read it as well. Uh, I'm just really enjoying the ride. Like, you guys, I don't have, like, the the back history as much as you do, mm-hmm. so I'm just enjoying learning about them now. I'm having a good time with it. Maybe, so what, maybe what at the you? end, maybe at the end, I will, I will get it all together and and get and and let you know my thoughts. And
5: <laughs> what have you, what have you learned so far?
4: That I just really I, like. Okay, so I love like I just really love the family aspect of it. I do. That's my favorite part is them just being a family, and that's that's really what's making me enjoy it. I think the most. Does that makes sense.
5: Absolutely. It does.
4: Yeah, that's that's my favorite part of it. Just yeah. a little good family romp.
0: <laughs> Joey how about you
2: that's great and I, I'm totally with you on the Doom stuff and what I loved about the Doom stuff this issue was like Reed had to be like is is he telling the truth and Johnny and, and Ben were like yeah he put on the Iron Man suit for a while it was a thing and yeah. he was a hero and the, it was a whole thing and Reed's like no <laughs> it's uh. <laughs> it's great I love that he still has his beard too it's pretty awesome Grizz, Grizzle Reed is running around um, no, it's great this year. You know, I'm I'm with Just too. It's it's so fun to be part of this ride going forward. And Slot Man, he's doing good good work. A nice balance of the yeah. humor, the family, the fun, the the high concept sci-fi stuff. It's it's a really cool cool thing. And I just feel like we've read a lot of Fantastic Four the last four months.
0: And keep keep it coming, you know.
3: Please do absolutely. In Mm
0: -hmm. All right. So uh, we have a little bit of news to cover super quick. Uh, Gail Simone has been named to be orchestrating for Lion Forge this uh, seven days initiative. So I'll just read directly from uh, Deadline Hollywood here. Simone is the architect behind Seven Days, a new publishing event, in bunny quotes, series that will unite the heroes of the CPU for seven issues that count down the days of one week, a week that happened to be the final one in the history of humanity. That's the promise, at least, of the alien invader who is considerate enough to give the people of Earth that window of time to put their affairs in order before they are wild-off Ah, uh, the face of the planet to make way for a reptilian remodeling.
3: Yes, <laughs> I love. Yeah, I'm there.
0: <laughs> so
5: that
3: sounds amazing. Let's do it. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. I've um, not read any of the Lion Forge stuff. It really does get great reviews. I, I'm behind the eight ball, but this will be a great way to start.
0: Same. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. I'm. I'm totally there for this. I give a little sample of some of the artwork too, and it looks neat. Um. And I have. I mean. Gail Simone, when thinking about some of her her team books, that yeah. this is going to be awesome. I'm, I'm so there for this. Joey, you were about to say something?
2: Yeah, no, I, um, I'm, I'm with Bob there. You know, when Lion Forge came across our desk, uh, I was like, oh, this is so cool, this new publisher. And then I looked into the books and they were at like issue 12 already or whatever. And I was like, oh. I got it was right when we were doing some of the best of stuff too. So I was just like, I I can't I can't I can't dedicate myself to this. But a, a fresh launch here or something, a new kind of mini series here, I think I'm there for. You know, um, there was some great stuff at uh, Comic Con, New York Comic Con, about Lion Forge. I, I got the chance to kind of hear from a lot of the editors and creators, and everyone was very hyped about the universe and and kind of the representation in the universe too. So
0: hey, if this is a place to jump on, I'm jumping on.
5: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm with you. Mm-hmm.
4: Uh, Jess, are you familiar with Lion
0: Forge at all? Have you seen it not, come through the shop?
4: Not at all. I I have seen it, but I'm really not familiar with it. I'm not even going to pretend that I am. <laughs> well, then. This <laughs> conversation is over. <laughs> Sorry. Sorry. <laughs>
0: I think we have reached the end of the line with the exception of uh, what are we all looking forward to this week? Uh, Joey what are you picking up
2: uh, Paper Girls and oh, I'm not picking <gasps> it up uh, I'm going trade weight it but I know that Bob was going to say it so I'm going to say it first <laughs> yes. Paper Girls is entering its new uh, art no, and its, no,
4: final, it's art. final art yeah right it's done um,
2: Astro wow. Hustle number one from Dark Horse looks fun My Little Pony celebrates 75 issues uh, another Age of x Man book Prisoner X um, Meet the Scrolls coming out let's hit it why not <laughs> um and i uh, Ron- saw that i
0: was like what the
2: hell <laughs> <laughs> and uh greg Pax has got a new book with uh boom ronan island number one which looks really awesome um and uh doomsday clock issue issues coming out this week no hey, doomsday no. clock it, number are, what, nine it's everybody. not what, what is it i
4: what, thought it was what is, it? what is doomsday
2: clock i saw I it on the solicits doomsday clock number nine you know, is not coming is. out it's, yeah. supposed it's supposed to be
4: supposed to be i believe won't. it when i have it, it in my hand it won't come out I'm waiting. I'm, I'm we'll, done. We'll I see
0: can't... we'll see we'll see the press release tomorrow morning. And they'll be like, Whoops.
3: Sorry. <laughs> where's Delayed where's another, another four months. What issue a... ten will come out before issue nine, but that's okay. Don't worry.
4: <laughs>
3: <laughs> oh doomsday clock. We love you. Oh, Never do. change.
4: Oh, Never <laughs> <done>. <laughs> maybe change a little. Just
0: yeah,
3: like... maybe a little bit. <laughs> no,
1: maybe just a little
3: bit. Um Bob, what are you picking up? Well, those things. Giant Days number forty eight. Domino Hot Shots by Gail Simone.
4: Yeah. And Paul
3: DeYoung comes out this week. So I'm all in for that. Very light week this week.
0: Jess.
4: Deadly Class comes out. Die number four. Unnatural Mm -hmm. comes out. Batman. Um, I'm also probably going to grab Meet the Scrolls because just, yeah, why not? Uh, Oberon number two comes out. I'll also be picking up Domino because why would I not? Um, again, yeah. Gail Simone, she wrote it. I'll buy it. That's kind of that's kind of the way it goes on my list. Uh, and there's also, I'm not buying this, but there's a book called Fartnight coming out. And I think it's beautiful. <laughs> <called Fortnite.
5: laughs>
4: um, and I just saw this. I was just like, I don't know what it's about. I'm assuming it's just making fun of Fortnite. Um, but they called it Fartnight and good for them. You know? <laughs> Is Scotty Young doing that? It seems like a Scotty I, Young guy. Yeah, no, I don't think so. I don't even know who it was published by, but I just like kind of caught it quickly going through like previews. And I was like, excuse me? You're right. Art night. Art yep. night.
0: I wonder what the season pass includes.
4: (laughs)
2: Oh,
5: (laughs) 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 nothing. nothing, Season
2: pass gas. Am I? Hey,
5: joke. Thank
0: you, Joey. I couldn't think of it, but you saved me. (laughs) (laughs) All right. uh, Here's my list. I got Giant Days number forty-eight, which is also illustrated by John Allison. Uh, Batman sixty-six, Young Justice number three, Die number four, Paper Girls. Unnatural, Champions number three, Cosmic Ghost Rider Destroys Marvel History. <laughs> I really, really, really enjoyed Cosmic Ghost Rider last year. An underappreciated gem. I stand by it. So good. Go and check it out. Uh, Deadpool number 10. Scotty, Scotty Young's moving on from Deadpool. I don't know if it's this issue, but it's soon. Uh, so I'm going to collect the rest of this run which has been a lot of fun. I also have Domino Hotshots, Meet the Scrolls, uh, Uncanny X-Men number 13, and from Mags Visaggio and Oni Press, Morning in America number one. Mm. Mm. Uh, not only is it Mags, but I, I do not have the artist's name in front of me, but I saw some of the interiors, and whoa, like, immediate, immediately put it on my list uh, to pick it up tomorrow. Just one of one of those... Artist, where I saw the interiors I was like okay yep I'm reading that that looks good so bonus that uh Mags is on the uh it's, on writing uh, beauty
2: it's Claudia Aguirre
0: yeah I am not familiar with that person but I plan to to be very familiar with them by the <laughs> end of reading that comic I'm very excited about I that I
2: think Claudia Aguirre did um um uh sorry Kim and Kim with her
0: really I think so at least Maybe. some of the series. You would know better than I would. I might be making it up. Anyway, um, Morning in America, it, it, looks, it looks like a lot of fun uh let's see here do, do, do does anybody have any closing statements before we get out of here yeah i just wanted to give a quick shout out to uh fans of the
2: pod Britt and mary Keane from edmond oklahoma for bringing to my attention and the show's attention that one of our favorite series from last year juke joint um was unfortunately uh canceled um Yeah, uh, just to read the email. Hi, my name is Britt Keen and my wife Mary Keen, we love the pod. Back in November, y'all turned us on to Juke Joint and my wife fell in love with it. She has been wondering about issue three and today we found out it was canceled. She wanted me to ask you if you knew why. Uh, Look forward to hearing from you. Oh yeah, one more thing. A shout out to your two biggest fans of the pod would be really cool also. LOL, Brit Mary Keane from Edwin, Oklahoma. So there you go. There's <laughs> a shout out. Um, I looked into it a little oh, yeah. bit. You know, there's not much in terms of why T. Franklin, I know, has been going through a lot of personal things. So I'm wondering if it's maybe just the pressures of, of trying to get it out when, when she was dealing with all of that, too. Yeah. So um, the one thing that she did say when the cancellation was announced that it was theoretically temporary and she hopes to get back to it. Right. So um, we'll see what happens with Juke Joint down the line.
0: Absolutely.
3: Uh, Yeah, let's hope for good things for T. Franklin. She's a very nice lady.
0: Didn't I sit next to her at the Eisner's? I think I did. Wow, look at that name drop right there. Didn't I
5: sit next to T. Franklin at the uh, (laughs) Eisner's?
0: I was hallucinatingly hungry by the time that I had made it to the Eisner's. And Carolyn and her mom were there. And they were like, well, if you want to just grab a plate, so like everybody's dressed in like their nice Eisner finery. And there I am in my sweaty con gear from doing work all day. And I'm like loading up on chicken wings and chocolate and all kinds of <laughs> stuff. And I'm sitting at a table with all these like Eisner uh, nominees munching on chicken wings I'm like, hi, <laughs> how you doing? Steve Say, talking <laughs> comics. Good luck. <laughs> um, that was that was fun night definitely definitely in my my favorite memories of all time uh coming from talking comic stuff that was a blast that moment of hearing carolyn's name like announced last and then her name repeated when the winner came up like that that moment in between i never held my breath so hard (laughs) in that moment just yeah just like you know all these other people and carolyn coca And then just, (gasps) ah! so good. So good. Uh, Oh, by the way, I finally got the Entertainment Weekly with her forward, her Captain Marvel. Yeah. Uh, 14. 14 different stores and newsstands. I tried to find that in Portland and back home in Canada. Called around to a bunch of places. Finally had to order it online. Well, well, worth the wait and worth the effort. She did a wonderful job, and but I refuse to read any more of it until after I see the movie.
5: Photos
3: and
0: interviews, and I'm yeah. just like, nope, all sorts nope. of spoilers.
2: And
3: while while we're at it, Joey, congratulations on that title. I've been I've been told that I needed to make sure we say that it it is our own Joey Braccino who came up with the higher, further, faster, finally. Viral.
5: really all right yes. look, no, dude okay. i
2: love that <laughs>
3: seriously
0: yes
2: I, I got it from the article all right it was spectacular
0: <laughs> that's awesome all right so anybody else anything else no sir All right. Uh, Thank you once again to Chris Sabella for hanging out with us this show. Uh, Joey, do we have another guest next week? Yeah, next week we have Christine Larson, the artist currently on one of uh, the books that
2: we talk about a lot, um, from one of our favorite writers, John Allison, by night over at Boom Studios. Um, Also the artist on books going way back to Valentine with Alex DeCampi, Adventure Time. Um and uh, several other things that she's created on her own as well. So I look forward to talking to Christine Larson and then talking about Brie Larson in uh, Captain Marvel. Spelled Captain
3: Marvel review. <laughs> yes. Big, yes. Show. Big show. Lots of
0: guests. Yep. Next week's gonna be uh gonna be a banger, so make sure you <laughs> stop by. Uh, we've had a string of really exciting shows lately. Uh, not to pass on the back right thing, but 2019's been uh, pretty good. Yeah, pretty good. Pretty good. Pretty, pretty, pretty good around pretty good. here. Pass it around. Share the show. Share the Yeah, plot. share the show. Let us know what you think, and uh, yeah. Yeah, we'll give you All a right. shout out, yeah. like uh, Oklahoma uh, over there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, yeah. man we'll
4: say your
1: show
0: Meh
2: <laughs> <laughs> And then say
4: meh after it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but you
2: have to <laughs> ask for a shout out and also break some news for us. Otherwise, we're not reading your email. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I, I get that. Yeah. yeah. Be helpful. Thank you, Brent and Mary. <laughs>
0: <laughs> All right, friends. We've reached the end of this week's edition of the Talking Comics Podcast. As always, you can send us your comments or questions through our email podcast at talkingcomicbooks.com. We are also on Twitter at Talking Comics, and don't forget to check out Talking Comic Books.com for reviews from our fantastic contributors. And don't forget to check out Talking Valiant, D Adventure, Bendis Assembled, and the Ladies of Valhalla. New show this Friday. <laughs> you, you, you all right?
4: Yeah, I'm all right. I said, Woo, that's all. <laughs> so, <laughs> woo-woo. Yeah.
0: Woo-woo. It is a cause for celebration, damn it. Yeah. Bob, where can our listeners find you?
3: Bob Ryer at talkingcomicbooks.com. Joey. At Joey Bertino.
4: Front row, baby.
1: <laughs> Jessica.
2: Steve.
4: At Charska. Everywhere. <laughs>
2: You've gotten really good at
4: that. I, I, I Listen, I practice when you we're constantly the the I practice. I practice in the mirror just, Steve. <laughs> just saying, Steve. Up in the morning and just, Steve. <laughs> <laughs> uh,
0: I am at dead underscore anchoress on all the things. Um, yeah, so for Bob. See you Thursday, Jess. <laughs> for Jess.
4: See you Thursday, Bob.
2: <laughs> for Joey. I'll, I'll be by myself.
3: you can come with us front row baby (laughs) we don't have front
0: row I will be with my wife we have awesome seats everybody go see Captain Marvel in theaters this Thursday early screenings into Friday uh I don't think it's well you know what no it does need your help go and see the damn movie go see it again bring your kids buy some popcorn have a good time and uh We will check you next week on the podcast with our Captain Marvel movie review, guests, comics, all kinds of things going on. Thank you so much for listening. Be excellent to each other. And until the next time on the Talking Comics podcast, to be continued.
1: huzzah awesome
2: yeah congrats had on had an, an awesome day. year man that was great
4: yeah congratulations who me yeah. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> steve, <not> steve.
1: <laughs> i don't know i thought maybe steve had a really good year um
5: <laughs> I, o- I
0: always have a good year i got a, I got a
1: good life <laughs> i have no complaints well yeah thanks for uh thanks for having me on uh and uh, anytime you uh, want to have me on again, I'm I'm always up yeah, for it. Yeah, absolutely. So. Um-